You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into the Friday edition of Sports Call, live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy, the host of the show. Today, I've got Cam Berry and Brooks Childress with me on this fun Friday afternoon, and it is a very fun Friday afternoon because this is the day before college football season begins. It is finally here. We have a very fun show planned for you this afternoon. Brooks will only be with us about an hour again as he will go off to more high school things, running Brooks all over the state uh, this week doing high school football things. He will be on the call with Mr. Brant Daughtry for Smith Station football coming up 7 o'clock here time, 7.30 kickoff on FM Talk 93.9. So Brooks will be with us for an hour till he heads to that. Cam Berry and myself will be with you for the full three hours. And during these three hours, we will have a lot of fun stuff for you. In just a little bit, we'll talk a little bit more on football recruiting, another commitment yesterday for the Tigers for 2024, but also some news around the 5 o'clock hour yesterday as uh, Auburn football in, uh, announced some more upgrades and changes to Jordan-Hare Stadium. You commit a number in your mind to the capacity. <laughs> the capacity is no longer yeah, 87.451. We'll tell you exactly what it is here in just a moment. A little bit later, we'll have some Week Zero talk. We'll preview those games, not do deep dives, but we'll rank uh, the interest level for all those games. And, of course, a couple big programs, though, will take center stage tomorrow for Week Zero. And then in the 5 o'clock hour, we will wrap up our conference, our Power 5 conference previews with the Southeastern Conference, have a sports call 5 at 5, and all that good stuff on the show today. If you want to give us a call, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, one tiger 9 Again, Ryan, Cam, and Brooks with you here on this Friday edition of the show. We'll start with you, Cam. I hope uh, your week has gone well. We are to football season. Uh, I know Falcons preseason finished up last night, so on to the regular season and uh, excited to have you on the show again. Yeah, glad to be here. Um, yeah, glad it's Friday, man. And uh, one more Saturday until Auburn football, but until then we'll have some other college football to hold us over in week zero. So uh, can't wait to talk about that a little bit and, and um, give those kind of slight previews here and there. And, um, yeah, ready for some NFL. Man, I'm so excited for the NFL season, ready to see what the Falcons are going to do um, and uh, kind of – revamp this team a little bit and now that they have some money and cap space and all that so i'm ready to to see what uh, arthur smith and terry Fontenot have put together and and this new product out of the field new quarterback desmond ritter is the, the official starter so uh, i'm ready to watch all of that they got thumped last night that was 
the Steelers playing their their starting guys and um, the the Falcons choosing to play their second and third string guys, guys that are trying to make the roster, uh, still competing for those you know last two, three, four spots uh, here and there. And uh, yeah, just really really excited. Braves starting a series tonight against the Rockies, if I am correct, not the Rockies. Rockies are the second game. Rockies are the, the Giants, yep. excuse me, it's yep. the Giants. Second series um, of the yes. road trip. So. Um, ready to ready to see that going. They finished uh, finished off their series uh, against the Mets strongly. So I uh, want to continue on that streak and, and keep treading water because they face the Dodgers at the end of next week, and that's going to be a big one. So uh, you got to have as many games on them as possible. Those are two two probably the two hottest teams in the in the MLB right now. So that'll be fun to watch in the next week. Um, but yeah, I'm doing great. Ready to talk some football, man. It's all here. Absolutely. It has arrived. Eight days for the Auburn season begins one day until college football season officially begins. Brooks Childress on the show for, again for the first hour. And Brooks, I know that you were in a, a Zoom press conference earlier today with Coach Bruce Pearl, the basketball team. Uh, had some great things to say there. Um, and a couple of newsworthy items there, I guess, uh, just with uh, Chris Moore, uh, especially. But uh, glad that you're here again. And Thank you for running all over the state of Alabama for us, taking and, care of all these high school things. And it's just week one, too, so like <laughs> it, it's it's just getting started, and I'm already worn out. Yeah, uh, well, you know, I'll, I'll just start with last night. Got to go down to uh, to the Crampton Bowl for the AHSAA kickoff classic between Beauregard and Selma. The Hornets, uh, which we carry right here on Tiger 95.9, got a big win, 29-6 to over Selma. Um, it, it's an exciting start to the year. They're top 10 to start the year, number 8 in the state in 5A, and so it's uh, it's really exciting that they were able to get that win, come home next week to host Central Haneyville to get things uh, started for the home slate. And so really excited for that. Yeah, I was uh, today, and we didn't get back. You know, the game kicked off at 8, so I didn't get back here uh, to the office till after midnight and didn't get in bed until, gosh, almost 2 a.m. last night and then got up early this morning for a Bruce Pearl presser. Uh, a couple news and notes from that. He, he mainly just talked about, uh, you know, the transfers coming in and and uh, and talking about the uh, the schedule that got put out. The non-conference schedule talked about how you to get to the NCAA tournament, you got to play one a tough schedule. And he said we did it last year. It helped us pay dividends to get to the tournament, and uh, they did it again this year. And so he uh, he had some great quotes from it. And then, you know, like you said, two big newsworthy things is that. Uh, Chris Moore uh, has not practiced this summer, has not participated this summer after a uh, procedure. And then the other one is they've got one scholarship left, and currently right now they're holding on to that and trying to see if they can get one more transfer. If not, they uh, he said they're probably going to look at giving that to one of their seven walk-ons. Uh, they've got seven walk-ons in the roster. Said still planning on holding walk-on uh, tryouts too. So any Auburn students out there that are uh, you know interested in playing basketball, they're still going to have basketball tryouts if you want to go and, and see if you can walk onto the team, even though they've got seven already. Uh, and yeah, and then got to work and was told, hey, uh, you want to, you know, Brant's by himself, do you want to go down to Smith Station? And I said, yeah, sure, why not? And so be down there with Smith Station Panthers tonight over on our sister station, FM Talk 93.9. It's a busy weekend. It is. And I'll tell you what, Ryan, when you said we're one day away from college football, I got a little giddy. Yeah. I, I was, even though it's UMass and New Mexico State, <laughs> I got a little giddy. And I'm so excited that we're back to meaningful football started last night with high school and then college football meaningful football football is back this weekend make sure that before you leave the show today you get a word in on uh, what you're looking forward to tomorrow yeah. make make uh 
You may just, just you're, stare you're at to me in me. a in a intimidating way. Brant may have to come drag me out of the studio. I'm so excited. <laughs> Absolutely. So let's kick things off today uh, with some Auburn football news. In particular, Jordan Hare Stadium. There was a press release around the halfway point of the show yesterday. Wanted to save it for today, and I teased it to open the show uh, that uh, new stadium advancements and enhancements for this year, including a different seating capacity. We all have come and come to know and love 87, uh, excuse me, 87,451, but uh, they have decided to expand a little bit. There's going to be some new premium seating options and experience within Jordan Hare stadium, which increased the seating capacity officially to 88043. So an addition of about 600 seats. Um, so 88,043 is the new capacity for Jordan Hare Stadium. And some of those seating experiences you'll notice are going to be like in the bottom corner, kind of field level right. stuff. Uh, you've seen this with uh, certain NFL stadiums being built that sometimes uh, have field level seating. Uh, I admit I do not know what the view of the actual playing surface will be like uh, when it's that low. It, it will depend on maybe who's in front of you and that sort of thing. And but uh, I'm not optimistic. But on that. Uh, yeah, I'm 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 unsure if you're going to have a uh, great view. You will certainly be closer than everyone else to the action. Uh, but so that uh, that and a couple other changes will push the capacity just slightly over eighty eight thousand uh, new concession experiences. So this is something that I noticed in Plainsman Park this year, going to a few games, usually with Mr. Brooks Childress, that uh, they had had more of a grab-and-go element to one of the concession stands. And I've, I've actually seen this. This is like – it's spread like wildfire. Everyone comes up with a good idea – or someone comes up with a good idea, everybody tries to, to either beat it or equal it out. I, I, I saw this for the first time. Uh, when I, For the fir- first time I can recall seeing it in a venue – and someone's probably seen it maybe two years ago, but this last year in Amway Center in Orlando, they had what basically just looked like a convenience store. It's like if you just took a right. gas station convenience store and, and put it inside of a, a basketball or football facility. I saw that in Amway Center. I'm like, that's pretty cool. If you just want something basic, here's all the refrigerators with Coke and et cetera and, and snacks and that sort of thing. That's a good idea uh, just to give people the option. They want something more simple. And then I noticed it. Uh, at Truist Park, actually, there's a couple stations up, I believe, on the upper levels that are like that, uh, where, again, kind of a convenience store type of deal. And now it's being announced inside of Jern Hare Stadium where there's going to be fast flight grab-and-go concessions. The four new fast, uh, fast flight grab-and-go experiences are designed specifically with speed and efficiency in mind. These spaces will provide streamlined concession offerings and will provide fans the opportunity to walk through an intentionally designed concession line, grab the items they want to purchase as they progress, and proceed to the checkouts at the end of the line. These stands will be located in the following locations. Lower West Concourse near Section 10, Lower East Concourse near Section 24, Upper West Concourse near Section 53, and Upper East Concourse near Section 114. There's also going to be Bonnegetta Grab-and-Go Express Marketplaces. The two new Bonnegetta Grab-and-Go Express Marketplaces will operate like a C-store and are designed, so a convenience store, and are designed with variety and experience 
or excuse me, variety and shop at your own pace in mind. These experiences will provide an open shopping experience, allowing fans to browse from a larger variety of concession options, including all traditional concessions fare, as well as new health-conscious options such as Amsterdam Cafe Wraps before moving to the checkout line. These marketplaces will feature stand, standard checkout lines as well as new camera-based uh, instant self-checkout lanes to increase speed and efficiency at the point of sale. These marketplaces will be located in the following locations. Lower Northwest Concourse near Section 44 and Lower Northeast Concourse near Section 35. Also, a couple other uh, upgrades of note to the stadium. Stadium-wide Wi-Fi upgrade and expanded. We certainly hope so. Yeah. We'll see. Goodness, uh, we hope so. Closed captioning added to the video board. Uh, west side seating bowl refurbished, continuing a multi-year effort. The entire lower west bowl of Jordan Hare Stadium has been refurbished to include new paint and concrete surfacing, new bleachers, and new slip-resistant step coating. And then new play clocks installed atop the lower bowl. Team tunnel and field entrance enhanced. All new lighting effects added. Stadium lighting will reach entirely new level this season through the introduction of expanded choreographed lighting effects for videos and music, as well as the addition of new motion-based spotlight systems allowed for never-before-seen experience inside Jordan Hare Stadium. And DJ Booth moved to the student section. There's other things. There's like 12 other things to go through the list. That's on AuburnTigers.com. But again, the ride, food always interests me. I will admit, I'm, I like food. Uh, <laughs> uh, breaking news there. And... The convenience store model is interesting because some people specifically just like going to a game and eating a hot dog, eating a hamburger because it's a game hot dog, it's a game hamburger. Obviously, prices have continued to go very up inside of concession stands unless you're uh, unless you're Arthur Blank, yeah, who unless we, you're we love and adore. I almost said Arthur Smith. He is the head football coach. He does not control the prices. I love that guy uh, too, though. <laughs> but uh, Arthur Blank, who's done just – the Lord's work and making a very cheap concession experience inside Mercedes-Benz Stadium. But anyway, uh, <laughs> I was going to say something, but I won't say. Okay. <laughs> but uh, but so anyway, prices are pretty high. On top of the fact that what these things are trying to do is streamline the the effort a little bit, because there's nothing more annoying, in my opinion, than me- missing game action to be going to get something to eat or drink and. Um, I can tell you that when I go to Bucks games all the time, I get all my stuff before the game. I don't get up I, because 15 minute halftime is not enough. That's yeah. why when you look at NFL and NBA stadiums because they have shorter halftimes, it looks half full to start the third quarter because everyone's still in line either in the bathroom or concession stands. And even 20 minutes for college football stadiums, if thousands of people are doing the same thing at the same time, you have probably missed some plays inside the stadium before. I'm hopeful. I don't know. I'm hopeful this will make it a faster experience for those that want something more simple for sure. Uh, but what do you think of all these upgrades concession-wise? Again, uh, play clocks being added to the upper lower bowl, the premium seating experience. What do you guys think of uh, these changes here? Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, the, the play clock moving to the upper upper part of the, uh, the stadium, is it kind of makes sense since you're putting the premium spots right where the play clock used to be in the corner. Um, it's probably going to take a, a game or two to get used to like uh, looking at where the play clock is because um, it's just it it's a different place. Uh, the players obviously they've been scrimmaging in the stadium a couple weeks, so they'll they'll have a better look at it. Um, it's going to take it may be an advantage for Auburn of a couple SEC games.
games because your your you know your coach, uh, hey, this is where the play clock's going to be. This is where the play clock's going to be. And if you're a multi-year uh, starter or a multi- uh, player that's been there multiple years, you may get told, uh, you know, play clock move, play clock move, play clock move. Make sure you look at, it, especially a quarterback. If you know, say Will Rogers walks in there, he's been to Jordan Hare Stadium a couple of times. It may just be secondhand nature to be, you know, at the snap, look over at the play clock, and it's not there, and you got to panic and find where the play clock is. So it, it may be in a little bit of an advantage to start things off uh, for Auburn with the play clock, the premium seating. Uh, yeah, I don't know what that's going to, you know, I'm sure it's going to be nice. I'm sure it's going to be nice food. It's going to be, you know, a nice environment. I just don't know what the, the, the viewing experience is going to be at, on those premium spots because it, it's, you know, if you've been on the field at Jordan Hurstand, which I'm assuming a lot of you out there have after a couple iron bowls, yes. <laughs> um, you know that once you get past the field, past the sideline, it kind of slants off, kind of like lets the water run off it. it, it and so those, those spots are going to be down a little bit and and there's people you know there's cameramen there's people there's support staff all over the place for both sidelines and so i was just gonna to have to get a game or two in and see what that looks like and especially an sec game it may not even be a big big thing for umass and uh samford because there's not as many support staff out there for the visiting team but once you get an sec team in and they bring the the entire football staff to away games it, it may start to get a little little hard to see out there um and yeah i'm i'm kind of a fan of the the convenience store thing i kind of like walking in that was uh this summer, I went to a soccer match in Charlotte at Bank of America Stadium, and they've got this convenience store area that you don't even take your – like, you scan your credit card as you walk in, put it back in your wallet, grab whatever you want, and when you walk out, it charges your credit card. It's Dang. like RFID or whatever it is yeah. tracks you. Oh, that's good. And it, it tell like, you, you grab, you know, a, a, a cold beverage, you grab a, some chips, some, some something. Like, it's all convenience store stuff. You walk out, boom, it charges your card. And so that's pretty. I, I don't know if this is going to be the same way. Yeah. No, I, no. But but they, the convenience store aspect, big fan of. It looked like they said uh, traditional checkout lines is what what I thought I, I read in there. But uh, Cam, any thoughts on on the these? Yeah, you know, everyone's waiting for like the big upgrade during Harris Stadium, which would be the second video yeah, board or right. something on on the other end zone side. But uh, what do you think of? Of what they've announced for this year. Um, I mean, it seems exciting, and I mean, more fans is always good, right? I mean, we can't deny that. It just makes Jordan Hare Stadium that much more of an intense environment. Um, you know, I, I, like I said, I'm a little skeptical about the seats that are on the field. I'm not really sure, you know, how you're going to be able to really experience the game. I mean, I guess you could say I have seats that are on the field, but if you're trying to watch the game, I feel like that's not really the best place to be. You may be looking at that video board a lot. Right, you're going to be looking at the video board a lot, and so then you're kind of turning your neck a lot, not really, you know, actually seeing, you know, on the field action. You know, it is what it is. Maybe, maybe they'll like it. Maybe not. We'll see how that's received. Um, I remember when it was, you know, came out on social media. It was kind of mixed reviews on it. Uh, Some fans were like, ah, that seems kind of not great, but you know, could be exciting, could be fun, and and you know kind of gets you as a fan maybe really up close and personal with um you know maybe like players and, and different things like that you're really and overthrown around, football in right the yeah, yeah. <laughs> football yeah overthrown football you're you're like ah oh, i'm in the action so that'll be fun um you know 
but overall, everything else seems to be really exciting. The concession stuff, I think that's going to be really good to be able to expedite and, and you know get everything to move as quickly as possible so that fans can get back to their seats and enjoy uh, the reason that they're even there in the first place, is just to watch the game. So uh, it, I think it'll all be really good. It could, uh, could all work out well. We're going to take our first time out of the show again, those additions to Jordan-Hare Stadium for the 2023 season. And again, changing the capacity up above 88,000 this season. When we come back, we'll get to birthdays and sports and also the Auburn Bank phone line for the first time today. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. call crew wants to hear from you give us a phone call at 334-887-3401 follow sports call on twitter at sports call au like us on facebook at sports call au Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, and Brooks Childress with you here on this Friday afternoon, the Friday before college football officially begins. 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. And join us on the Auburn Bank phone line today. We go to the Auburn Bank phone line for the first time. James from Montgomery. James is with us. James, how are you this afternoon? I'm good in War Eagle. War Eagle. I know that y'all were talking uh, just a few minutes ago. I know that y'all were talking about some new changes to uh, Jordan-Hare Stadium, and I am all for it. I'm very excited that uh, Jordan-Hare Stadium is actually getting a facelift. They're actually uh, – it looks good. I looked at some of, the, uh, some of the great photos. I looked at some of the videos, and it looks really, really good. Yeah, no, again, they're, they're not uh, substantial upgrades necessarily, but they're little things, little tweaks here and there, and again, adding mm-hmm. a little bit to the capacity, adding some premium seating, but then also the concession stands, and, and uh, still trying to rework some of those bleachers on the in the lower bowls and all that sort of stuff, so uh, definitely working on certain aspects of it. As I alluded to, I know people will be very interested in a second video board on the opposite end zone or, or something over on that side, but uh, for now, mm-hmm. you know, they're... They're doing what they can. They're doing some little upgrades and uh, certainly welcome any and all upgrades. Yes, that's all because with the uh, video board, I've actually seen in person a couple of uh, a couple of seasons ago. I really like it, but on the other end of the end zone, I mean, that that scoreboard, it, it's, it has a lot of history to, to Jordan-Hare Stadium, and it's been there for years, and I just have to say no. On the on the uh, video board for the other in for the other uh, end zone, they should just keep that one, keep that scoreboard on that on that particular side as well because um, that has a lot of history to the school, uh, to the university itself, and to the 
stadium itself as well. So I think that that uh, scoreboard should stay as well. Certainly has been there a long time. So we'll uh, we'll see what happens here in the coming years. What else is on your mind today? Well, I'm actually going to be looking at uh, week four for the NFL and uh, seeing if uh, Carolina is actually going to uh, win this game tonight. And I don't want to. I don't want to make my best friend. I do not want to make JJ Jackson mad because I know that's his team. So I am actually going against. Uh, I'm actually rooting against JJ's team, uh, the Carolina Panthers. So I'm actually going to be rooting for the Detroit Lions as well. So I'm hoping y'all won't tell him that I'm rooting against him. That would that would make our friendship not good at all. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I won't I won't tell him that. I, it's just preseason. I, I think he would be okay uh, if you rooted yeah. for somebody else. Uh, but I, I I won't tell him. I I, I know I know that uh, you, you're a big JJ Jackson fan, and uh, yeah, no, I will uh, I'll keep it on the down low. Yes, that's all. Because I mean, me and JJ, we're we're really good friends, and I really do miss him very much. He's a very nice guy of the show, and one of my great friends. I might uh, actually call him on. Uh, messenger and uh, check on him from time to time and see how he's doing as well. Yeah, I'm sure he would absolutely welcome that. I think it'd be uh, great for you you two to catch up. Yes, as well. And then with um, with week zero coming around uh, tomorrow, starting tomorrow, I'm actually going to be watching some games and um, you know trying to see uh, who's actually going to who's actually going to look good this year for the uh, college football season and. Um, they're actually this coming up uh, tomorrow. They're actually doing a uh, the big game that's going to be played out in Atlanta. They're going to be doing Jacksonville State and uh, South Carolina State. So I have South Carolina State uh, University Bulldogs actually playing uh, for the first time in hit in school history to actually get a win out in um, in Atlanta as well. Because I know this one is a really good uh, game and it's a historic game between these two schools as well. Yeah, again, Jackson State and South Carolina State in Atlanta there, of course. Jackson State's uh, first year after Deion Sanders. We'll see how that goes for them. And then, of course, on the FBS side of things, you've got Jacksonville State uh, taking on UTEP out of Conference USA there in the FBS. So you got Jackson State and Jacksonville State playing on Saturday. Yeah, so I'm actually going to be watching those two games on Saturday as well. And then I'm going to be watching uh, UMass University and New Mexico State. So I'm going to be watching these two. I'm going to be watching those two games as well because I know we do play uh, UMass University on September 2nd. So I'm going to be studying their offense and defense because um, they will be coming to Jordan Harris Stadium. So it's going to be a lot of ways that I'm going to be looking at this team that we need uh, to, to slow this team down as well. Yeah, again, a very kind of ironic that Auburn's two of their uh, weaker non-conference opponents are actually end up playing each other this year. Obviously, they've got Cal and Sanford for the other games, but their two low-level FBS opponents play each other to, to start the year. So, pretty ironic there. We'll see if uh, we'll see how that game goes. I know it's on Big ESPN, which is pretty unbelievable, honestly. But uh, we'll we'll see how that game goes. Yes, as well. And then I'm going to be uh, looking at. Some upcoming news for uh, NASCAR this coming up weekend. I'm going to be watching NASCAR Hub and uh, seeing um, what I'm actually going to be looking at on uh, this weekend's race in uh, Daytona Beach, Florida. So I have to 
see how the playoff spot, um, how the playoff bubble would actually play out as well and see who's in the top, like the top five or the top, probably I should say like the top 10 in, in, in uh, the playoff spot as well. Yeah, it'll be interesting. We know everyone but one is locked in, so that last spot could be Bubba Wallace, could be someone like Alex Bowman or A.J. Allmendinger or Chase Elliott. You know, James, with that uh, accident he had early in the year that caused the missed races, unless Chase Elliott wins on Saturday night, he's not going to make the playoffs. Yes, as well, because I did put Chase Elliott in my NASCAR fantasy uh, lineup. I did that yesterday, so I'm just going to see how uh, that actually plays out for him as well. So if he actually wins in Daytona Beach, Florida on Saturday night, I mean, that's going to be a really tough – it's going to be a tough uh, race Saturday night under the lights, and it's going to be something that I would like to see as well. Yeah, absolutely. I'm a big Chase Elliott guy, so we'll see if he can pull one out here at the very end of the regular season. What else is on your mind today? Well, I actually – I wanted to talk about uh, my college football picks that I was going to get to before I get to uh, my NASCAR trivia for uh, Daytona Beach, Florida as well. Um, I'm going to actually start off with Alabama. I'll probably see like their first game. Uh, I think they play their first game September 2nd. So I don't know who Alabama plays September 2nd. Uh, Alabama on September 2nd to open the year. Uh, I think that they have a weaker uh, – oh, no, no. Uh, yeah, no, September 9th the Texas game. Uh, I'm double-checking to see who they've got to start the year. Uh, but I know it's going to be a lower-level uh, opponent. They start the year uh, with Middle Tennessee. That's their first game. Okay, so I did pick uh, Middle Tennessee – uh, to actually beat Alabama and the score for this final, for this game at the final half, um, I'll probably say Middle Tennessee, uh, 58 to Alabama 20. Yeah, I just don't think so, James, but we'll see. Uh, I think that you could probably reverse that, and that would probably be kind of the area there, maybe a, a few less points for, for Middle Tennessee. Um, Alabama is favored by 39 points. So I'll probably I'll probably say like thirty nine to twenty two. All right, but still go to Middle Tennessee. I got you. You're uh, yeah going for the major upset there. What else you got? Well, I have Georgia, and I think their season opener uh, on September second. Um, I don't know who Georgia plays for they, their opener. They've got an FCS opponent. They've got Tennessee Martin. Okay, so I have Georgia actually beating Tennessee Martin. Uh, I'll probably say 29 to Tennessee Martins, 23. Yeah, I, again, I, I think that they'll have an opportunity to win by more than that. I, I think uh, I don't even think there's a line on this one on the ESPN app because Georgia might beat them so badly, but we'll see. Uh, yeah, I think you definitely got the winner right there, though. Yes, that's all. And then for us that we play on September the 2nd, I have Auburn actually beating UMass University at home. Um, I'll probably say that would be like 34, Auburn, 23, UMass University. Yeah, I hope it's more decisive than that. I, I certainly think Auburn will win, but uh, hopefully they're they're scoring 40 to 50 points, and hopefully UMass is, is in the single digits or around 10 or something like that. But uh, we'll see again. 
Uh, Auburn's had a couple close ones in the past, but I, I like something more around the lines of, of 48 to 10 or, or something in there. Auburn's favored by a lot of points, but we'll see. Yes, as well, because I know this game is going to be really loud. I wish I was there in person. That would be an amazing, an amazing uh, moment for me to actually be back in Jordan Hare Stadium. But I will be back there in Auburn next year in 2024 for the 2024 uh, A Day game. So I will be looking forward to getting to see you guys in person as well. And uh, with the new stadium changes, uh, my favorite spot that I will, if I was there in person for September 2nd when we play against UMass University, I would love to be in the student section actually dancing up a storm in the student section as well. That would be a lot of fun. And I know they moved the DJ over into the student section, so you can maybe even give them uh, some requests and uh, you'd have a grand on time. Yes, as well, because I do love to dance as well, and I'm a very good dancer as well. I'll take your word for it. All right, let's get to trivia. You said you wanted NASCAR trivia? Yes, as well, for uh, Daytona Beach, Florida, because I know it's tomorrow as well. Absolutely. I think Brooks has a couple for you. I do have a couple that that uh, some of them involve Daytona Beach. All right, you ready for it, James? I am. At which two tracks did Richard Petty win the most races? Was it A, Charlotte and Daytona, B, Daytona and Richmond, C, Richmond and Martinsville, or D, Martinsville and North Wilkesboro? Uh, I think I know this one because he did say this one. He did say uh, what two tracks he actually won at. All right. And, and I think he said it was Richmond and uh, I know it was Richmond because I know he won there in Richmond, so that was one win. And then the other one was in Foxborough. Not quite. It, it wasn't Richmond. It wasn't Foxborough. It was It was kind of close, though. It, it's uh, the state of Virginia and the state of North Carolina were the two tracks. Okay, so I think he won... I think he won the first one in Charlotte. He won the first one in Charlotte. No, not quite. The correct answer was Martinsville and North Wilkesboro is where he won the most races. Okay, yes, that's that is that is, that was the uh, correct answer that I was looking for. Uh, that I was going to go for because I know they did the uh, seventy-five year anniversary and they did show um, the actual highlights from from that race, and I think that was like nineteen seventy-five. Yeah, he first. When yeah, first did that first one. Yeah, you knew it. All right, you ready for your next one? Mm-hmm. All right, where did Dale Earnhardt win his first uh, Premier Series race? Was it A, Bristol, B, Talladega, C, Daytona, or D, Rockingham? Mm. Um, I know Dale Earnhardt Jr., I know he's looking down on me to make this right decision because he's one of my favorite NASCAR drivers of all time. I would have to say it would be Rockingham. No, it, it was a short track, very short. Um, I really don't want to disappoint him as well. Um, I, don't I know think you will. I I know it's not Daytona. You're right. Um, I well, I know it's not Daytona because yeah. Daytona is a long track. Oh yeah, uh, it will have to be Talladega. Uh, yeah, Talladega. No, not quite. It was Bristol. Bristol's the short track. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, it was um, Bristol as well because I um, I actually saw that that race when they did it in Bristol, uh, Tennessee, and then the one uh, that um, that really stuck out to me to this day was the one when he was racing in um, in Daytona Beach, Florida, and I was actually watching that on. Um, before Fox Sports 1 um, was added to the sports uh, broadcasting station, they had the Speed Channel back in the day. And um, when they did the um, the coverage for the Daytona 500, I know that they were saying uh, it, it, was, it was something that I knew in my heart that, you know, I, I knew that, that Darren Earnhardt was going to win it, but it was just something to me when I when I heard that on on national TV, my heart just sunk into my stomach as well, and I just I I, I broke down and cried as well. Yeah, it was a tragic day when we lost Dale Earnhardt Sr. at the uh, 2001 Daytona 500. But uh, yeah, they've made the cars a lot safer since then. Unfortunately, we've not had any accidents that severe in NASCAR. Uh, in a long time, but uh, James, uh, no tough break on trivia today. But uh, we're, we'll, uh, well, I'm sure we'll do some more trivia here with you again soon, and, and hope you have a great weekend. I uh, sure would, and I would uh, call y'all back when I uh, get back from my trip in um, in Panama City Beach, Florida. Oh, is that uh, is that coming up this week? That is actually uh, coming up uh, later on today as well. So I'm going to be. Uh, heading out sometime real soon. All right. Well, we uh, hope you have safe travels and have a great time at the beach. All right. Sounds good. And War Eagle. War Eagle. That is James from Montgomery joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. We need to take another time out. Back to wrap up hour number one right after this. You're listening to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. I'm Trevon Reed, former Auburn Tiger football player and national champion. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger Call Tiger 95.9. Ryan Lavoy, Cam Berry, Brooks Childress with you here. What up? On this Friday what? afternoon. One more segment for Brooks. Um, we will get to Brooks' week zero thoughts here in just a second. We do need to go ahead and get to birthdays of sports, and then I promise Brooks you'll have the floor on on uh, 
on the college football. You know, if you want to give me the whole floor, <laughs> well, you won't have the floor for long because again, we only have five or six minutes left to the hour. But here we go with <laughs> it's uh, a shortened floor. <laughs> uh, but here we go with birthdays and sports. It's time for today's birthdays and sports. All right, birthdays and sports today. Raleigh Fingers turned seventy-six. Former MLB closer, Fingers was born in Ohio and moved to California as a child. After high school, he attended one semester of junior college before signing with the A's in nineteen sixty-five. Made his MLB debut in 1968 as a starter, transitioning to a relief role soon after, eventually becoming the first modern-day closer. Played 18 years the majors for the A's, Padres, and Brewers, seven-time All-Star, three-time saves leader, one-time Cy Young Award winner, one-time MVP, three-time World Series champion, one-time World Series MVP. His number 34 is retired by both the A's and the Brewers. Member of the MLB Hall of Fame also needs to be a member of the Mustache Hall of Fame. <laughs> Raleigh Fingers turned 76 today. Who got their mustache first, the Reds logo or the Reds mascot or Raleigh Fingers? <laughs> I just I, I think just, Raleigh Fingers was bored with it. It's, the, yeah, it's the question we answered. <laughs> also, uh, shout out to Chaffee College. Let's go Panthers. Uh, the Juco. Where he went to school. Albert Bell is 57 today, former MLB outfielder, most known for his time in Cleveland. Bell was born in Louisiana, where he was a star in football and baseball and played college baseball at LSU. Go Tigers. Where he was a two-time All-SEC selection. 1987, he was taken the second round by the Cleveland Indians, spent most of his career there. Played 12 years in the majors, five-time All-Star, five-time Silver Slugger, one-time AL Home Runs leader, three-time AL RBI leader. He's the only player ever to hit 50 homers and 50 doubles in a season. He's also a member of the Cleveland Guardians Hall of Fame. Albert Bell is 57 today. Marvin Harrison is 51, former Colts wide receiver. Harrison was born in Pennsylvania, played college football at Syracuse. Go Orange. Harrison was an all-Big East selection as a senior, set the school record for most receiving yards in a career, which stood until 2017. In 1996, the Colts took him 19th overall, beginning a 13-year career entirely in Indy. He was an eight-time Pro Bowler, eight-time All-Pro selection, two-time NFL receiving yards leader, two-time NFL receptions leader, and one-time Super Bowl champion. He's a member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame, the favorite target of a young Peyton Manning. Marvin Harrison turns 51 today. Justin Upton turns 37, currently a free agent MLB outfielder. Upton was born in Virginia, was ranked as the number one baseball prospect in America as a senior, committed to play baseball at NC State. He just committed. He didn't yeah, get there. Okay, fair, fair. But was drafted first <laughs> overall by the Dimex in 2005. Thank you for not going to NC State officially, Justin. <laughs> One pick uh, before his twin brother, BJ, made his MLB debut in 2007. Last played for the Mariners. Four-time All-Star and three-time Silver Slugger. Justin Upton is 37 today. And Big Shot Bob, Robert Ori is 53 today. Former NBA forward, selected 11th overall in the 1992 NBA draft by the Houston Rockets out of Alabama. Don't say it. You don't need to. Yeah. Also played for the Phoenix. I know you weren't planning on it. Also played for the Phoenix Suns, Los Angeles Lakers, San Antonio Spurs. Seven-time, seven-time NBA champion, 1993 NBA All-Rookie second-teamer at Alabama. Ori was 1992 second-team All-SEC, third-team All-SEC in 1990, and SEC All-Defensive Team in 1992. He was a fourth-team parade All-American out of high school in 1988. Robert Ory, one of the most clutch shooters of all time in the NBA, turns 53 today. So, again, Marvin Harrison is 51. Robert Ory, 53. Raleigh Fingers is 76. Justin Upton, 36. and Or, excuse me, 37. And you have Albert Bell at 57. Those are all the birthdays in sports today. So, Brooks, you got a couple, you got like a minute and a half, two minutes. Give me your week zero preview, whatever you want to talk about. First, I wanted to say, uh, uh, I don't know if we've, we officially addressed this on the show. Yep. But um, as of two days ago, our beloved uh, Oakland Athletics have been eliminated from the playoff contention. 
Aw. Uh, you mean as of two months ago? <laughs> Officially. I'm playing my tiny un- violin. Unofficially, it was two days after opening day. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, it, uh, just a quick baseball note there. I saw that on uh, Surface through Twitter just a little bit ago. But, yeah, week zero. Uh, how much time do I have? Like, you have forever? Like a minute and a half. All right. Uh, week zero, college football. I'm excited. It, it's going to be interesting because the, the games are – not the cream of the crop, but they never really are. Um, I'm, ri- I'm I'm interested to see what Notre Dame looks like coming into the season. Thirteenth rank, uh, ranked thirteenth in the preseason poll. I'm I'm interested to see how they look because they did not look good to start last year, but they kind of picked it up toward the end of the year. Um, Navy with a new coach. Uh, look, can't uh, see what they look like. Um, Jacksonville State's first game of the FBS. That's going to be interesting up there. You know, it, it's a good uh, it's a good college football environment in Jacksonville. Um, and so now you're getting it on a national TV in the FBS level. You're going to get to see that. Obviously, the uh, the disaster football game that somehow somebody is favored in when UMass and New Mexico State <laughs> take the field on big ESPN, because why wouldn't it be on big ESPN? Uh, fighting for probably the worst college football game of the year. Uh, there, there's it's You're going to be hard-pressed this year to find a worse game on any slate than this, folks. <laughs> Certainly I mean, one that appears on a major ESPN network. I mean, it, you, UMass and New Mexico State, I haven't looked at their schedule, but they may play an FCS school, but it still may not be worse than this. Uh, and then, you know, obviously the nightcap games, um, USC getting to see Caleb Williams on the field for the first time for, you know, a half or something against San Jose State. And then Vanderbilt's high school stadium. That's going to be a big storyline is you, you get to host to Hawaii, get the return trip. Uh, you went to Hawaii last year, but you are, uh, you're, you know, it's, it's a, uh, it, it's a high school stadium, 28,000 something. Yeah. Um, and the folks isn't kidding. There's high school stadiums in Texas that big. Yeah. I'm not kidding. The, the, the fun part about it is somehow, and th- I, I guess this is just how, how bad Hawaii is. Vanderbilt, have y'all seen this line? Vanderbilt's a 17-and-a-half point Well, they favorite. smoked Hawaii last year. Like, no, they did. I thought it'd be close. They, they smoked them last like, year. Like, Vanderbilt's not favored by that much against Tennessee State when they play them. <laughs> this, is, this, this is bad. But I'm going to be sitting there on my couch watching as much of it as I possibly can. Maybe not the USC game because right. it's the Pac-12 network. Not able to watch it. Fun yet. fact, they just signed a deal with DirecTV as their official like cable partner. Pac-12 network is not on DirecTV. Yeah. So. Good stuff. Satellite provider, yeah. No, Man. Good stuff. It's great. Brooks, thank you for being here today for the hour. We will hear you, you and I'll Brent you. Daughtry on FM Talk 93.9 starting at 7 o'clock tonight. Again, appreciate you being here today. Uh, thank you so much. That'll do it for Brooks, but we've got two more hours here this afternoon coming up in the 4 o'clock hour. We will have a little bit more of a breakdown of Week 0. We'll grade the seven games in interest level. We'll also talk about Auburn's new commit, and a little bit later in the show, we will preview the Southeastern Conference with the Sports Call 5 at 5 and a Uh, more complete preview after that. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. 
It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Second hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9. Ryan Lavoy, Cam Berry with you here for the remainder of the program. As we still have a lot to do on this Friday edition of the show. Coming up in a little bit, we will preview week zero. Seven games. We'll rank the interest level in those seven. And then a little bit later at the Sports Call 5 at 5, some SEC headlines to go through and a complete preview in the 5 o'clock hour for the SEC in 2023. As promised a little bit earlier in the show, did want to get to the one bit of recruiting news for Auburn. Auburn was able to, I think somewhat quietly, not as much fanfare around this one, pick up their 17th commit of the 2024 recruiting class, this time in the form of another defensive lineman, Dimitri Nicholas from Opalaka, Florida. No, I did not mispronounce Opalaka. <laughs> it is O-P-A-L-O-C-K-A. Opalaka, Florida, Miami Norland High School. He's actually he is a defensive lineman, six three two ninety five. Actually, the second lowest player uh, ranked in this class so far for the Tigers. Only D'Angelo Barber ranked lower than Nicholas. He is the number five seventy one player nationally on the on three industry rankings. Again, as I said, Cam, not as much fanfare there, I guess, due to those rankings. But now seventeen commitments as Auburn etches it way etches its way up closer to a full class for twenty twenty four. And yet we are still 17. a couple months away from signing day. 17 for 2024, yep. and the season of 2023 hasn't yep. even started yet. Um, the nature I, of I recruiting mean, now. It really is. Uh, Hugh Freeze, I mean, said it himself. He was going to stake his tenure, you know, the beginning of his tenure at Auburn on that 24 class and the 25 class, and he truly is doing it. Um, I've seen some things about where Dimitri – you know, by the time it comes around, he'll probably be a four star. So he's sitting at a three right now. But, um, you know, they're saying that he should work his way into being a, a four star. I think he's like a high three right now. So um, we'll we'll see how that plays out. And, uh, yeah, I mean, really, you know, exciting that we just continue to be getting these recruits that are interested in, in coming up here and, you know, moving away from home and, and you know, committing to uh, to being on the plane. So crazy exciting. And um, hopefully, you know, he does make it to campus always. You know, it's always uh, until they sign on the dotted line. You never you never can 100 percent say that they're they're going to be here. But um, you're, you're pretty optimistic with the 18 guys that you have or 17 guys that you have and uh, get, a you know, a couple more. And your 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 class is about done at that point. Good and wrapped up. Yeah, again, Auburn now catching up numbers-wise at 17. A lot of schools still in the low 20s uh, kind of operating in that space. Third defensive line commit for Auburn, joining T.J. Lindsey, who, of course, was not too long ago, about a couple weeks ago, out of IMG Academy, a, uh, a, a slow four-star player in Lindsey, and then Malik Blockton, who's been 
committed for what feels like a long time. It's yeah. really just a month and a half, and right. the scheme of things not that long, but Malik Blockton out of uh, Pike Road, a, a three-star player. So uh, now um, another commit here in the form of Dimitri Nicholas, and I believe that takes it up to two five-star players, ten uh, four-star and five three-star uh, so far in the 2024 class. Still ranks 14th on the on-three industry rankings. 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9 to give us a call on the Auburn Bank phone line. Today we go back to the Auburn Bank phone line now. Ward Damn Steve. Retired Ward Damn Steve joins us. Steve, how are you this afternoon? Hey, it's Friday. What could be any better? Yes, sir. How uh Cam and uh, yourself, uh, Ron, how have you been uh, today? I'm doing well, Steve. Thank you for asking. Uh, I mean, it's Friday, so that's always the best day of the week, you know. And got football tomorrow. That's an even better feeling. Yeah, thank goodness I'm not out there uh, watching any football games. Jeez. And uh, I can't imagine what it's like for the uh, the guys practicing. Uh, are they outside today or hopefully inside? Uh, they don't always practice on Fridays. Uh, maybe yeah. non-game uh, week they might be, but uh, – I thought they were going to go to a game week format here pretty shortly, so not sure. But if they were, I mean, I'm sure they'd do a little bit of both. Okay, uh, I just uh, want to let you know I did uh, listen to the podcast uh, from last week with uh, Anthony and uh, his recalling how he became an Alabama fan. That was uh, interesting to hear. It started in the third grade with him watching the Bear Bryant show. Yep, yep. Starts uh, starts young a lot of the time. Yep. Uh, so I hope to hear from. Uh, well, other uh, listeners and callers as well. I'll do mine on uh, Monday, and uh, will I be allowed the entire three hours? <laughs> not, no, not quite, not quite. No, not quite two and a half. Then okay, I'll try to shorten it then. Sounds okay. good. Yeah. <laughs> hey guys, hey, uh, let's get to it real quickly then uh, about this commitment, guys. He's a three-star commitment. Uh, he's a defensive lineman. What's your take on uh, getting him? Yeah, I think you know. Obviously, as, as I said a second ago, this is the second lowest player. Rated in the class, they did need some more defensive linemen, uh, but I, I don't think this is clearly a, a, a bell cow of your class, and uh, I think it's still better than some of the lower level, lower lower rated players you were getting in the two years with Brian Harson. So I do think it's that, but uh, again, th- there's a reason there's not been as much hype about it uh, about the commitment yesterday because it is on the lower lower side of things. Yeah, I was going to ask you guys because you know I think I saw he's in the five hundreds. Uh, his uh, ranking. Yes. And where where does it start for the two stars in terms of those numbers? Oh, I don't know. I, I'd have to go through. Uh, that's a good question. I think the I, I for reference, I think the four stars end about in the mid to upper three hundreds. So him being in the five hundreds, he's definitely gonna be closer to a four star than a two star. I'm not sure where the three stars though. I'll uh, end. I'll try and, and try and figure that out for you. So, so you think he's like a, a mid-range uh, three-star then? Probably so, yeah. Okay, all right. Uh, sticking with uh, football, guys, uh, this had me a little concerned, but you guys tell me, okay, Steve, you know, just well, let's see, take it and you chill out. And it was having to do with Tiger Talk, which I didn't listen to, but I read the comments. And this comment um, had me uh, a bit, I guess, uh, as a really, wow, without Peyton Thorne. And the quote was uh, from uh, Coach Freeze, I wish he was completing a higher percentage of his balls, truthfully, right now. Uh, you guys think I shouldn't be concerned about that kind of statement? I mean, it's pretty candid, but wow. 
Uh, what's your take on that comment, guys? I mean, I think I think Hugh Freeze is just putting a lot of putting pressure on his honest quarterback to perform and succeed well. I'm sure I'm sure he's he's completing a decent amount of the passes that he's throwing, but I bet Hugh Freeze has a certain threshold in his mind that he wants Peyton to meet for him to feel fully comfortable with him uh, at the position. And I would I would say that I mean I look I, I always appreciate the honesty from head coaches yeah. because again this time of year all usually all you get is positive uh, it can be a little bit uh, I don't want to say di- it, it could be a little bit uh, of a foreshadowing with with certain things that people say that are negative because it's so rare but I mean you look at it Michigan State he was a sixty three or sixty four percent passer one year closer to sixty or sixty one. Uh, if you're in the 60s, you're still a-okay, especially if you're throwing the ball down the field a lot. Um, so I'd be interested to hear what, what the actual percentage is because, look, last year Robbie Ashford was around 49%, and, and yeah. that's that's not good at all, and you would take 60% compared to that. But obviously the hope is why stop at 60, get up to 62, 64, 65. Uh, so it also depends on what type of throws you're making. So without knowing the, the estimated percentage of where he feels he's at, then it's kind of hard to judge if it's actually an acceptable number or if it's a coach kind of just wanting to get even more out of an already pretty good player. Well, the reason I um, ask that, I guess, because I also recall Anthony's comments about watching Bear Bryant show, and I used to watch as well. And so Bear Bryant was notorious for bad-mouthing uh, how the team was playing, even though you know they go out and beat somebody uh, you know, 48 to nothing. Uh, so I just wondered, is he just doing the Bear Bryant kind of bad-mouthing or – do you think he's really, yeah, you know, he's really struggling, Peyton Thorne? He's not doing what I think he should be doing. Yeah, I mean, again, it's going to be hard to know until we actually get in the season and see what the percentage is actually like. I think that coaches do try to motivate players in various ways, though. And and look, I mean, he might be sitting at that those low 60 numbers uh, right now in practice, which would be okay, but we know that still college quarterbacks are capable of even more than that, of getting in the mid to upper 60s for sure, and some even around 70. So, you know, maybe he's at 61 or 62 in practice, and that wouldn't that wouldn't be awful at the end of the day, but maybe for you uh, Freeze is saying, well, I believe you, we've got more we can get out you. So, again, without knowing the actual numbers, it's hard to really know if it's truly coming from a place of, yeah, this actually isn't too great. You would hope that it would be more motivational, obviously because you want a productive level of play, but also because of the fact that, well, he did win a, a, a quarterback job just the other week. And so you mean tell me he's – completing 50-something percent of his passes where so the other guys couldn't do that or, or he was still a selection even despite of that. So I think putting two and two together from his time at Michigan State and from him winning the job, I think it would be more along the lines of motivation. And as a reference, guys, because I have not looked this stuff up, do you know how well, I guess, what kind of percentage completion uh, his other quarterbacks had, uh, the Hugh Freeze you know, had at Ole Miss and at Liberty? Yeah, they were predominantly in the low to mid sixties too, and I can I can find those out pretty quickly. Obviously, okay. uh, yeah. So they were in the seventies or seventy five percent. No, and but again, college. I mean, quarterbacks are not going to hit the seventies too often. I mean that that that's those rarefied the air. They don't do the yeah. NFL. Yeah, I mean those all, are the real guys that yeah. are built. To yeah, be so in the NFL. Bo Wallace, three year starter at Ole Miss, he was sixty four percent, sixty four point eight percent. And then his third year, he actually dropped down to 60.1%. Uh, Chad Kelly at Ole Miss, 
in his two years was 65.1%, then 62.5%. So they were all in that low to mid-60 range. Okay. All right. Um, moving and on, and I will give you for one reference real quick, though, Steve. The Heisman Memorial Trophy winner last year, for instance, Caleb Williams, was at 66.6%. So even he was not at 70. Now, now again, 66% is great, and that's what I'm saying about the college quarterback, and he throws down the field, makes all the great plays, uh, You know, had, the, had an, an insane amount of TDs, but even he is in the mid-60s. So, again, that's why I'm saying, like, okay, 60, there's nothing wrong with low 60s at all it's just you can get a little higher than that so if a coach is trying to be hard on someone they think has great potential you're going to try to get every drop of potential out of there and these are brand new receivers that he doesn't have very much familiarity with right well sure i mean i mean there's a lot of not a lot of new wide receivers that's going to be the case in a lot of different camps but uh but yeah all right uh moving on guys how about the new game day enhancements you've already spoken uh talked about them already yes Okay. Well, one that I thought was a little bit going overboard is they're going to have fireworks every time we score a touchdown. I said, come on, really? Uh, I I hadn't made it all the way down the list into that. I, I read I probably read about, what, 10 of them? Yeah. I read a lot of them, but yeah, I didn't. But Yeah, they are doing yeah. the fireworks. Yeah, when, here yeah, it is right here. Good. Touchdown moments are getting even more excited. This is from Jason Caldwell, including pyro and field level CO2 effects. Good Lord. I mean, I'm, well, that's a bit, uh, to me, that's that's. Let's go to old board, but yeah, what do you guys think? I, I, mean, I don't care. I bet, I, I, I bet it'll add to the environment. I mean, it doesn't. I, I'm not going to here. Let me put it this way: I'm not going to look at that and say, "Oh my goodness, I'm so much more excited now." Look at, I want to run through a wall. Nor am I going to look at that and say, "Man, I don't care." That that or or I'm not going to look at that and say, "Man, I I, I feel less happy now." That was stupid. I it, it's just it's just going to be. It is what it is. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I'll be just fine with. The band playing, you know, um, after every touchdown. Here we go. Okay. Uh, uh, there's a lot of upgrades. And how are we getting these extra seats, guys, to make it 88000 Premium seating. So uh, a lot of those seats, or at least some of them, are going to be field level. Uh, if you re- recall the corners of the end zone kind of being with, with all those bushes and that sort of yeah. thing, uh, they've carved out some table space. Uh, for seats that are literally on the field level in those corners. Um, they're they're going to be attached to some sort of premium level or premium area, excuse me, and there are going to be some tables there. We really do not know if you're going to have a very good view of the game or yeah, not. Yeah. Uh, we're skeptical about that, but that would be well, the main area I'm aware of. I'm glad you mentioned that because I have sat at all the field level uh, and I could hardly see very much of what was going on. It was going you know, so fast. Uh, I'd rather be sitting, uh, say, row 20, 25, 30 than down a field level. You guys ever seen what it's like at field level? Yes. yes. Uh, I've sat probably row seven at Jordan Hare, yeah. Jordan Hare before. I've, um, I've sat row five on the visitor's side Yeah, Jordan Hare. Um, Didn't love it. it, it uh, it's tough over those sidelines. The other thing, too, is I, I'm, I'm getting in the weeds a little bit, uh, that college stadiums are not known to get as high up as quickly. They kind of start from a lower point off the ground, yeah. They, which they Jordan do. here certainly does. Like, just look in the end zone wall and, and look how players don't even have to jump really to, to get on top of the wall, get to nope. get to players, and that kind of goes all the way around. Whereas I'll tell you, I sit uh, in the end zone at Raymond James Stadium in in Tampa on row six, I think it is. 
um, and I have zero obstruction because they start the seats like eight to ten feet off the ground rather than just a few feet off the ground. So getting higher quicker means you can see over what you need to see over. And also I think that the only chance I'm giving those field level seats is that because they're in the corner, you shouldn't be really obstructed by the sideline. I don't think it would be people milling around in the back of the end zone right. and may, maybe seeing over other players onto the other side of the field. I think it probably would be a really good view if you were in the red zone nearest to you. Yeah. But I just am skeptical about further away. Um, the rendering I saw also, I, I just thought about this, kind of they showed like the virtual tour thing, whatever. I did see that they put like screens in those areas that are on the field yeah. as well, maybe to help with the view. Probably. Just yeah. to say, yeah, you're probably not going to be able to see much, but you'll be able to say that you're on the field. So you'll have to watch the game from this angle, you know, however that goes. So maybe that's how they're going to do it. Okay, because when I've, on the few times I've sat right off the ground level and I had some free tickets, uh, I couldn't see a darn thing hardly. I didn't like it. Okay. Uh, I mean, everything's moving so fast, I couldn't. I couldn't tell where people are, uh, uh, who was, you know, what defense was doing or offense. So anyway, all right, uh, moving on, guys. Uh, <laughs> uh, we got a bunch of, uh, I guess, garbage games tomorrow, except maybe, what, North Carolina, South Carolina? No, that's that's not tomorrow. That's that's week one. Um, that's week one? Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, Notre Dame Navy is, uh, is probably – the most competitive game amongst ranked teams, and then there's Vanderbilt, yeah. Hawaii, and some well, other Notre stuff. Well, Notre Dame is prohibited favorite, you know. Yeah, I, well, I know, but I'm, I'm saying of the of the teams that are ranked, I, I certainly think that would be having a chance to be closer than USC and, and San Jose State there because uh, that, that's the that's the other ranked team to play tomorrow. Just Notre Dame and USC are the only ranked teams tomorrow. Okay. And of course, we have the uh, – I guess the uh, – the, the who's going to be uh, the worst of the worst uh, team? New Mexico State playing, of course, UMass. Right. Is that a night game? Uh, it is. I think it's six o'clock on ESPN. Oh my gosh! You guys have any uh, uh lead? I mean, are you putting read the team, or you just we're going to watch a game and see what happens? Uh, I'll probably avoid that one. Honestly, um, I will. I will. I will probably in that time slot, if I had to guess, because I do have a. I'm fortunate to have a two TV setup. Just to be 100 percent forthcoming, I will probably put Hawaii and Dandy on one TV, and I'll probably put the NASCAR race on the other. I'm just gonna go ahead and tell you, that's probably okay, what well, I'll do. Yeah. Uh, I hope you don't get a. Uh, a crick in your neck, uh, going round and round and round watching this. <laughs> no, I think I think I'll be okay. I appreciate the concern. Okay. All right, guys. Well, um, that's all I've got. Now, do they have any practice tomorrow scrimmage? I, be, I believe they w- they're they supposed to have a third scrimmage. I think it would yeah, be tomorrow. Maybe. I think so. I'll have to double check. Okay. All right. And uh, since we've heard nothing more on our uh, running back, uh, is this never going to hear anything more about it? Yeah, I, I think at this point, I mean – we're nine days, or excuse me, eight days away from kickoff. I think if Jarquez Hunter was suspended for a game, I think we would we have know. heard that by now. Yep. So unless the I will give you one more, I'll give you more one more timing point. I believe Monday at 11 a.m. is Hugh Freeze's press conference for the week. He, he's going to do his press conferences each Monday uh, for game weeks. And so if we do not hear of a suspension in that press conference, he will not be suspended. I'll go ahead and and put uh, I'll put my flag down on that. Okay, and I uh, keep reading. 
Cal, Stanford, and SMU are apparently looking to go into the ACC, but there are four teams that I've also read from ESPN that are opposed to them joining. What have you read or heard? Oh, yeah, no, we've, we, and we've yeah, we spent some that. time on it yep. this week, too. Um, it's North Carolina, NC State, Florida State, and Clemson that are are uh, voting no right now. There's would be new TV money that's mandated that ESPN pay to the ACC. Uh, Cal and Stanford would be taking limited shares. SMU is offering for seven years to take no share at all. And I'm just a little surprised at why Florida State and Clemson, especially Florida State, who's been the biggest baby in all this, trying to trying to power their way into another conference, whining about more money. I'm surprised that they're not willing. They're one of the ones not voting for this because they would stand to make a few more million out of this. And there's really, I, I went over it earlier this week. I won't uh, go five, ten more minutes on it right now. But there's really no other avenue for them to make several more million dollars in the short term because the contract doesn't run out till 2036 no other conference is trying to add them right now so that's that that's to make more money in the next few years that's the only way they can do it so i'm surprised they've not been voting for it especially if smu says hey we don't even want any money yeah exactly i mean i i that's that's borderline unheard of. I, I, they're banking on boosters to kind of help them out with it, and then also it's just the prestige of being not being left behind and getting into a power conference league. So I can kind of understand it, but it is still shocking. It shows the true desperation there. Okay. Hi, guys. Hey, thank you for your time as always. Uh, my time is over with. So with that said, y'all have a relaxing, entertaining uh, weekend, and we'll talk on Monday. And uh, until then, war you guys. Or you'll see. Appreciate your phone call. Have a great weekend, sir. That is Retire Ward AM Steve joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. We're going to head to our next timeout of the show. When we come back, we will look at those seven-week zero games, not complete breakdowns. I'm just going to be honest with you. Don't know a lot about Ohio football. (laughs) Just throwing it out there. But we will preview those games in terms of the games we're most interested in. That's coming up after this timeout. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Time out. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. I'm Deshaun Davis, former Auburn Tigers football player and all SEC linebacker. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy and Cam Berry with you here halfway through this Friday edition of Sports Call as we are this close, just a smidgen away from college football. Week zero coming up tomorrow. The full slate starts next Saturday, although you do have some Thursday night games that we'll be talking about next week. You see it, Cam? It's right there. So close. So close. It's right there. Uh, less than 24 hours till the kickoff of the college football season. Naturally, it kicks off in Dublin, Ireland. Of course, I kid yeah, there. It is, it is going to be in Ireland, though. Uh, so seven games on the docket for tomorrow. We will go over them right now on the Saturday slate. And 
I'm going to give you the seven. I'm going to give you the times. And then we're going to digest them in our interest level rankings here. First up, kicking off the season, 130 NBC, number 13 Notre Dame. They play Navy. That game happens yearly, but now it happens in Dublin, Ireland this year. Second game up, that's going to be pretty much isolated. Second game's not till 4.30 on the CBS Sports Network. Jacksonville State's maiden voyage in the FBS. They're in Conference USA. They'll take on a Conference USA opponent. So a conference game week one, they take on the Texas El Paso Miners, better known as UTEP. You got 6 o'clock ESPN. Yes, 6 o'clock ESPN. There's not a number after that. It's not on the news, <laughs> not on the plus. New Mexico State and UMass. That is the 6 o'clock ESPN game. Also, 6 o'clock, Fox Sports 1, one of the best programs out of the Mountain West, San Diego State, one of the best programs out of the MAC in Ohio. That one's a close line. I think that's the closest line. Nope, I'm sorry, JSU and UTEP's the closest line at a point and a half favoring UTEP. Jeez. This one's the second closest line. San Diego State only favored by two and a half points. So I know you do the three-point thing in the NFL. I'm not sure if that's officially what happens in college if you give three points to the home team, but if that was on a neutral field in the NFL, that would basically be a pick em. Hawaii and Vanderbilt, 630 on the SEC network. Only SEC team to play that day. Again, Vandy beat Hawaii pretty soundly last year. So that one's 630 on the SEC network. Probably what would have been the most intriguing, or certainly up there, number six, USC, taking on San Jose State. That's 7 o'clock, but it's on the Pac-12 network. So so unless you have more of a premium cable package there, uh, that one will not be able to be seen. Hey, by the way, that's one of the problems that the Pac-12 was facing, availability of their product. So. Kind of go fit. Kind of appropriate. Kind of. Uh, so reigning Heisman Trophy winner Kayla Williams in action there. 7 o'clock Pac-12 Network. And the night cap, not usually two teams that you would cap the night with, but here we are. 8 o'clock on the CBS Sports Network. They were doing a conference USA doubleheader because after that JSU-UTEP game, 8 o'clock, they've got Louisiana Tech playing host to Florida International, two teams that have been in conference USA for a while. Uh, left behind or still there, staying strong, however you want to frame it. So that's the last game of the night. So, Cam, those are the seven. Let's go ahead. Give me my give me your weakest three. We'll get through all seven, but give me your weakest three. Three games you just kind of gonna gloss over. Okay, um, definitely the UMass New Mexico State game. Yep, can't can't drumming up yeah. the care even though can't they're Auburn it. opponents. Yeah, can't do it. Um, then next least interesting probably, yeah, probably would be that Florida International Louisiana Tech game. Okay, and then and then it would go. Um, UTEP and and JSU. JSU. Okay. JSU gets a bump up because they are bumped they up. Are, they are in yeah, the FBS now. They're yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, I would I would have probably had them as second least interesting, but um they um you know, being Jacksonville, Alabama, um at least, you know, some people might have some interest in that in, in mm-hmm. a local sense other yep. than that. I've been to good old know, Burgess Snowfield before. Yeah, I, I mean, have. my girlfriend's parents live up there, so sure. <laughs> they'll uh, they'll be around what whatever type of environment that is. <laughs> I yeah, I will be interested. They have a, a reasonably uh, sized stadium. It's not like it needed. Yeah, they needed yeah. to have um, more things done to. It. I think it seats something in the tw- mid to upper twenties or something like that. Um, so I I hope it is a capacity crowd there. My bottom three. I'm sorry, 
I, I know people have asked about it because Auburn's playing them, but my least favorite game of the day is UMass yeah. New Mexico yeah, State. I, I just, it, it's just, look, if these were real teams that are really capable of giving Auburn a game if Auburn played well, then that's one thing. But the only way Auburn plays remotely close games with these teams is if Auburn doesn't show up or if yeah. Auburn's going to be concerningly bad this year. And I'm sorry, I'm I'm not predisposed to say, you know, this UMass team might give Auburn more than they can handle. Let me uh, – Double check the the Minutemen. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I mean, it was like the all, San Jose State game last year. Like you're just kind of, if it turns out to be like that, yeah. Ooh. I mean, it's going to be problematic for you. And San Jose State, I would argue, would be even a, a clear tier above. Certainly, at least UMass, maybe New right. Mexico State too. I know New Mexico State was better last year than they have been really all their other program history. But again, I mean, I think that it's just such such low ranking teams, FBS or not. I think there's some. Now, look, the FCS is changing because some of these FCS teams like Sam Houston and Jacksonville State are now in the FBS. But, I mean, like, if North Dakota State played those two teams, I'd probably take the Bison. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, I, I, I I'm not trying to be overly disrespectful, but I probably would value a top FCS team. Auburn is favored against UMass by 39 points. So, again, wow. it, it's just not something that, oh, well, UMass actually has a really good wide receiver. Okay, great. Good for them. Maybe they'll get up to four wins. I don't know. But I just don't care that much about the scouting report for teams that Auburn, quite frankly, should be able to beat with a second string and yep. should be able to put the clock with the first string. So, yep. uh, that, nevertheless, that's my least favorite. Next up, I would have cared more about this game a little bit more um, – if you know what, I'll I'll not I'll move it up to fifth. Sixth place will be Ohio and San Diego State. I've just never cared about the MAC. Like in the sum of conferences, if we were doing a conference care ranking, they would be dead last. Uh, they, <laughs> the MAC is just. I, I appreciate the stability. Absolutely, no one wants to touch the MAC. No, there are no teams worth considering for bigger conferences, uh, and there's no teams that are in danger of going like FCS. But I just. When you're just giving me teams like Eastern Michigan and Western Michigan and Akron and and stuff like that, I'm sorry. I just it, every team has its or every conference has its day. Like I remember, Northern Illinois had some good teams. Western Michigan did have the one team uh, with PJ Fleck coaching. Ohio's had some eight nine win teams. Great, but the MAC is reliably towards the bottom of the conference rankings. They're down there with CUSA. They're probably above CUSA now because CUSA has gone through such a, uh, a poaching of, from the AAC and that sort of thing. Uh, but at least around here, I, I care because of UAB teams around here, Floridian teams, Georgian teams, and the yeah. Sun Belt, all that good stuff. I at least sure. can say it's at least local-ish stuff. There's nothing local about Buffalo, New York. Sorry about it. Uh, about the Buffalo, Buffalo Bulls or, again, Ohio and all that stuff. So uh, San Diego State's a decent program. There's someone that if the Pac-4 tries to revitalize, that's that's definitely one of their calls. That's someone I said they should have added immediately. The second USC and UCLA walked, off the, uh, walked out the door, Klavikov should have called San Diego State. So I do value that program a little bit. Uh, it's a good good little group of five game. Don't care about it. Not regional at all. So number five is then a game I would have cared a little bit more about if UAB was still in conference. You were saying that's for the international and La Tech. La Tech is favored by 12 points. I have no idea how the new conference USA is going to be. Uh, me and Brooks were going over this at lunch. I think it's absolutely hysterical. It was taking me way an uncomfortably long amount of time to <laughs> name the nine 
uh, participants. Here's Conference USA now. If anyone was like me, and there's probably just like one of you driving out there, and I appreciate you <laughs> immensely for caring remotely about Conference USA when UAB was in it. Here's the nine that are in Conference USA. Florida International, they've been there for a while. Jacksonville State, welcome to the party. Liberty, welcome to the party. They've been independent. Louisiana Tech's been there a while. Middle Tennessee's been there a while. New Mexico State is in Conference USA now. All righty then. Had zero clue. Oh, I didn't know that either. Uh, would not. I mean, just again, the 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 great thing about being Conference USA is that you can have anyone from well, the United States of America. So the fact that Las Cruces, New Mexico, to uh, f- uh, what is it? My basically Miami, Florida. Ford International right, right. can still make sense because it's Conference USA, but objectively speaking, New Mexico State being in with Tennessee and Florida teams and Alabama teams is hilarious. But New Mexico State, Sam Houston State, again, welcome to the FBS. Okay. Great FCS program. Yeah. We'll see how they are in the FBS. Uh, Texas El Paso, again, UTEP. I don't know why I always just say Texas El Paso, but UTEP. Uh, UTEP in there. They've been in there a while. West Kentucky's been in there a while. So, again, that's a collection of spare parts right there. But, hey, maybe JSU, Liberty, Sam Houston State, newer programs to the FBS, maybe they'll have something for you. So that's my seven through five. All right, Cam, uh, let's do four, th- do four through two, and we'll single out number one and, and just say why you care most about it. So okay. do four through two. All right, sounds good. Four, let's see. Four, I've got to go with. Actually, I guess I kind of have no choice but to go with USC and San Jose State. You haven't done Ohio San Diego State yet, have you? I don't think you've done Ohio State. Oh, no, yeah, I haven't. Okay, so so yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'll do Ohio San Diego State, and then I'll do do, um, three San Jose State and USC. uh, USC. And then two, I got. Uh, two, I've got Vanderbilt and Hawaii. Okay. I hesitated for a second yeah, there, but fair. Vander, Vanderbilt and Hawaii, I've got it too. That's fair. Uh, any, like, what, okay, are you going to watch Vanderbilt Hawaii? I might turn it on. Okay. I'm trying to see your point in caring of which, like, I might turn the TV on for this, which is I'm not yeah. going to. Mm, I it, might number, turn it on. If USC and San, well, I don't, that's not a good one because just not the hypothetical stupid there. Uh, Ohio State. I might State actually your, have that game. Okay, might, you might have. A, I might actually network. be able to watch that okay. game. Okay, so. so you would maybe maybe turn that one on. I too. could be interested in turning that one on because of um, be, because of uh, Caleb Williams. Would it be fair to say that you would probably not turn on uh, number four though? Yeah, no. Okay, you would not no. turn on Ohio State. No, okay. no, no. Uh, I'm just making no, sure. No, yeah, no. I've I'd have no interest in that one. Fair. Um, so. I still have uh, all the games you just had minus Ohio San Diego State. I still had UTEP, JSU. Um, I'll go a little bit of an upset. I'll, I'll I'll knock USC and San Jose State down to four. Wow. Uh, can't watch it. Okay, that's fair. Um, that's part of it. So that, you know, some interest wanes, admittedly, pretty right. quickly. Um, so that's part. The other thing is, like, okay, I'm going to get myself talked into, like, okay, Caleb Williams is out here, going to be fun, going to rack up some yards, right. this, that, and the other thing. He's going to play for a quarter and a half. He's going to look awesome. They're going to put 35 points on the board, 
and that's going to be it. Yeah, and I'll it's going to be thirty-five to seven midway through the second or late in the second, and be yeah. like, "Well, that was it for the evening. I don't want to watch the second string guys in that game." So it just has no shot, in my opinion, being a competitive game unless unless USC's defense decides that it's just going to stop. It's just not going to be anything at all from the get go. Yeah, uh, and San Jose State scores a few points too, but that's just not going to be a very competitive game. So that's why it's number four for me. And obviously, I don't think I can watch it. Number three is where I'll put. UTEP and Jacksonville State. I'm excited about the Gamecocks being in the FBS. They've been a good FCS program for a while, and I can at least, because like I said, I've been to one of their games before, I can at least relate to it a little bit, and I just want to see how it looks in the FBS. I get that Conference USA is is not like the the best place to test right. test this stuff out because a lot of these teams are borderline FCS. But, but it's a step up. But I am curious, like because yeah. you wonder, like, is a or at least I have because Auburn plays these types of teams. Is a really good FCS program worse, yeah. the same, or better than a really bad FBS program? Yeah, for sure. And you're going to kind of figure that out with with uh, not only Jacksonville State but Sam Houston State It'll coming into conference USA this out. year. Because I mean, again, in that league, I'm not going to talk up everyone in that league because again, a lot of those teams have struggled. But like Middle Tennessee has had its years, Western Kentucky had its years, and Liberty recently had few good years yeah. uh with with Hugh Freeze and and won some AC beat some ACC teams obviously that's part of the reason he freezes here uh so I I I value to see how Jacksonville State can do in an FPS conference and the last part I'll say is I value to see what Rich Rodriguez does at Jacksonville State because Rich Rod is such a big name to be coaching that type of program. I mean, he was decidedly good at West Virginia. He was decidedly bad at Michigan and then was kind of whatever. He was kind of good at times at Arizona. Uh, but that's a pretty big name to land at Jacksonville State. So I'm just kind of interested to see what the Gamecocks are going to do. And then uh, number two game for me, look, here's here's the thing. I wanted to go Hawaii and Vandy as the most intriguing for me. But after last year's game, I'm not so sure. Uh, because I would have thought, okay, A, I can frame this as SEC team. I mean, right. barely yep. SEC team, but <laughs> SEC team. And I can frame this as potentially competitive game. Yeah. Well, the fact that Vanderbilt beat Hawaii last year, wait for it. Oh yeah. Sixty-three to that. ten. I remember that. Makes me a bit skeptical that this will be a competitive game. I think the line is seventeen and a half. Was suggest it could be that competitive. That was in Hawaii. But, yeah, that was in <laughs> Hawaii. Van- Vandy enjoyed their vacation to the state of Hawaii and put a can of whoop, you know what, on uh, on. Hawaii, and so I, I think that that is just not going to be competitive enough for that to be the most entertaining game of the weekend, the game I care most about. I will watch it, like I said to Steve. I'm going to put the Coke Zero Sugar 400 on from Daytona International Speedway on one TV, and I'm going to put Hawaii and Vandy on the other. And if Hawaii and Vandy gets to be a blowout, again, I'll, I'll probably put FIU and Law Tech on if uh, the second half's not compelling of Hawaii and Vandy, but... Uh, or I'll see, check on the ending of Ohio, San Diego State, whatever. But I'm just not sure it's going to be close, which for Vandy, good. Please yeah. destroy Hawaii Please. because if you don't, then I'm going to get concerned and say that you are going to lose to Wake Forest and may not be able to beat UNLV, or at least that's going to be uncomfortably close. And then 
I'm questioning where's your conference win, and I just get into a dark place with Andy. So please don't, please, <laughs> please don't send yeah, Ryan to a dark place. Yeah, go, Andy. You beat please. him by 50 last exactly. year, went five and seven. Please beat him by at least 20 or 30. Yeah, I wonder year. if they're returning their quarterback. I have no idea. Hawaii or Vandy? Uh, Vandy. Uh, Vandy. AJ Swan was their quarterback last year, and he is their projected starter. He was a freshman last okay. year, so okay. Uh, he he will be back. They've got seven returning on offense, eight returning on defense. Uh, most there. entertaining game of the day, Cam. We've got the same one, Notre oh, Dame yeah. and Navy. Yeah, that's I mean, hands down, right? Notre Dame being number thirteen. I know like I mean I mean we know that USC is, is ranked six, but we like we said, they're playing they're playing San Jose State and, and Caleb Williams probably won't even make it to halftime of, of in terms of playing time because it'll be such a blowout. And it, it, there's no real chance of, you know, that game being able to be watched by many people. Um but with this Notre Dame and Navy game, uh, it'll be on NBC, so everybody will be able to watch it. Um, you know, middle of the day, kind of prime time type of situation. So should be a good one, and it'll be in Dublin. So <laughs> that'll be interesting as well in itself. I, I, I'm curious to see. I, I don't uh, – Aviva Stadium. I don't, I don't even know what that looks like. So I'm, I'm interested to see where it is. <laughs> I'm interested. I, yeah. I am. I'm, I'm curious to see how – I'm curious also to see how many people turn out for this as well, like in terms of, you know, with the with the sales and if it's going to be a packed yeah. house and, you know, how many people are over there truly interested in football. Also, I mean, college football, right, as well as, you know, how many people traveled to go to that game as well, you know, from up from from the U.S. to go to Ireland to to watch that game. So I I have a lot of questions. I'm I'm curious <laughs> to see how how just how the environment's going to play out. Um, but I I do think it'll be a good game. Notre Dame is favored by twenty and a half, but um, I I still think it'll be entertaining and and worth watching at the very least. Yeah, the the style of football Navy plays it. it Freaks a couple teams out. Now, Notre Dame deals with it every year. So, I mean, Navy did get Notre Dame a couple times when Notre Dame was struggling around several years ago. But uh, Notre Dame's been more decisive since then. The stadium uh, in Dublin, as you said, Aviva Stadium, it'll seat 49,000 for American football. Seats fifty one thousand for rugby. Don't ask me the the difference in 2,700 seats there. I bet it's – spacing like at the at the edge at the ends of the field or something like that that's sure. what i would think um so that's the big difference there um i again i'm not promising that this is a competitive game either the line is pretty similar to vandy white that's uh 17 for vandy white it's 20 and a half uh, in favor of notre dame in this one so i, I i'm not going to call this being a close game or market it to you that way i'm just interested to see sam hartman at, yeah. at notre dame uh, Notre Dame will have, as we talked about the other day, pretty pretty darn good schedule this year uh, in terms of difficulty. Play a lot of bowl teams on the road and have the three big ones against Ohio State, Clemson, and, and USC. So I just want to see the Irish this year. I, I'm, I'm not going to go full on the harp train of saying that they might be a playoff contender. Yeah, But I will tell you that if Hartman's awesome – you got to watch out because he was awesome at Wake Forest, and Hartman might be. I mean, Hartman's going to be such an upgrade for them for sure. on what they had last Truly year. Consistent passer, right? Uh, so I'm just just keep an eye on them. I'm not trying to be part of the media overhypes them every year. Plus, me, I'm very, uh, trust me, I'm very aware of that. But but I am going to be intrigued 
And of those three big games, I, I would be willing to bet they'll win at least one of them. They're gonna they're gonna upset somebody, or maybe not much of an upset, but they're gonna get someone very disappointed. Uh, put it that way in that Ohio State Clemson USC trio. So I am going to want to monitor how Notre Dame is, uh, especially with that passing attack this year. We are out of time here for the second hour of the show. Bit of a long break coming up here, but in hour number three, we still have a lot more fun as we get through Sports Calls Five at Five, presented by Southeastern Land Group. That will be the SE five SEC storylines because in the five o'clock hour we will be previewing the Southeastern Conference finishing our five Power 5 conference previews in five days. So stay tuned for that. That's coming up right after this. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Or if you listen after the fact on the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola, Ryan LaVoy and Cam Barry with you here for one last hour. About to preview the Southeastern Conference in its entirety for the 2023 season. Want to remind you that again coming up tonight, high school football on our sister station, FM Talk 93.9, Smith Station Panthers taking on Pleasant Grove. That will be Brant Dontry and Brooks Childress on the call. 7 o'clock airtime, 7.30 kickoff for Smith Station. And immediately following that game, we will have uh, the high school scoreboard show, the AHSAA scoreboard show coming up at 10 o'clock or at the conclusion of the Smith Station broadcast. Again, with that broadcast being moved back a little bit, highly possible that some of the scoreboard show will be missed. But, again, they'll be on air from 10 to midnight. Uh, Tonight, excited about the return of high school football, excited that Borgard Hornets got a win over Selma last night in the kickoff classic in a three-score game. All right, it's time for the Sports Call 5 at 5. It's presented by Southeastern Land Group. John Harden and Brian Watts are your local land advisors with Southeastern Land Group. Land is always a sound financial investment, but it's also an investment in time with your family and friends. And Brian and John can help you find the perfect property for you. If you're looking to sell your land and get maximum exposure to potential buyers, your friends at Southeastern Land Group can also help you with that too. Call John Harden at 334-524-2756 or call Brian Watts at 334-707-4273 or find them online 
at sclandgroup.com. As we've done each and every day for the Sports Call 5 at 5 this week, we have done five storylines in the conference, so let's kick that off here with the Southeastern Conference. Number one. UGA for three. Can the Georgia Bulldogs three-peat again? That's something that has not been done, as we've talked about, over 100 years by Minnesota. The Bulldogs have a pretty clear path to at least make it back to the SEC title game without the big non-conference game this year. Uh, we'll see if uh, Georgia can go undefeated. They go undefeated. Even with a loss in the conference title game, of course, can still make the college football playoff and have the ability to try to three-peat. So George will be, should be in very good position to try to accomplish that, but, of course, a, a long way to go still along the same vein. Number two. Bama versus LSU out west. Of course, this is the last year of divisions in the SEC. We've talked about some other conferences already going away from that. Alabama and LSU, the heavy favorites in the SEC's western division, of course, that game will happen in Tuscaloosa this year, but it was decided in Baton Rouge last year. LSU won a squeaker, uh, of course, on the going for two play. And so uh, Bama and LSU will probably decide the West once again. That game will happen towards the middle to latter half uh, part of the year, but uh, that'll be a, a big one in Tuscaloosa. Alabama has a bunch of tough games, but they're all pretty much, for the most part, in Bryant-Denny Stadium this year, including that Texas game early. But uh, Bama and LSU, again, it appears for the West. Number three. Rocky top to the mountaintop. There's really only one team in their way in the East, and that is the Georgia Bulldogs, and that is going to be a very late-season game, and it's going to be at home. So if Tennessee can avoid any other landmines, that their only loss is to Alabama uh, in the first nine or ten games of the season, we'll see what Joe Milton and company have for Georgia in trying to uh, avenge last year's loss. Tennessee had been undefeated, and Georgia absolutely took them out of their element in Sanford Stadium last year. Can Tennessee's high-powered offense have the same uh, fortunate hat against Alabama in Knoxville last year that, uh, or that, and this year that it did in Alabama and Knoxville last year? Uh, so we'll see if Tennessee will have an opportunity to dethrone Georgia. Again, got to get there with one loss or less in the SECs because Georgia's not going to lose up until that point. So we'll see if the Vols on Rocky Top uh, can find their way to the mountaintop of the SEC East. Number four. Big money, big problems. Or excuse me, big money, big programs, big problems for Florida, Texas A&M mainly in the SEC uh, Florida and A&M have all the money and resources to be relevant. Of course, Florida especially has the history of the last 30 years on their side. Yet those two teams figure to be a little disappointing, especially Florida, who in some, like Stuart Mandel, I think Steve was bringing this up yesterday, Stuart Mandel even predicting Florida to go 3-9 and nine this year. The fact that that could even be a prediction, sign of the times in Gainesville. So Florida – Behind the eight ball. And then, of course, everyone wants to know what happens with the marriage between Bobby Petrino, Jimbo Fisher, and College Station. All the big money involved there with recruiting, with paying the head coach. Can Texas A&M right the wrongs of last year, get back on track, and have a big year this year? Again, those are big-time money programs, but they've had big-time problems here as of late. Number five. And last but not least in the Southeastern Land Group, five at five. Sports call five at five. Freeze warning? Question mark. Of course, I mean this in a punny way. Yes, everyone's doing the freeze, <laughs> play on the word freeze and that sort of thing. But this year for Auburn is not necessarily about all the wins and losses. It's not necessarily about what they achieve or don't they achieve. It's about 
How close can they come? This is just year one. You have your two big rivals at home, which obviously gives you a slight opportunity, even if those teams are a good bit better. Uh, but can you kind of put the rest of the league on notice a little bit? Yes, a 6-6 six and six would not really do that. But can you go around seven or eight wins, and can you make those losses very close? Can you make it a warning of things to come uh, with Auburn's recruiting ability that they've had the last nine or so months uh, and with a head coach that has gotten, although he at Ole Miss was not able to get to a title game, did get a couple wins over Alabama. Beat them back then. You can beat them now. And uh, we'll see how much Hugh Freeze and Auburn can put the SEC on notice this year. Or, of course, people that don't like Auburn can say, or can they face plant this year? I don't know. We'll see. But can Auburn give a warning to the rest of the league that their struggling period is over with? So that's the Sports Call 5 at 5 presented by Southeastern Land Group. Cam, as I turn to you with some of those storylines, we've previewed all SEC teams. We were doing that in the weeks prior to this one. So we've got a good feel for some of these teams. But now we're putting – all those individual pieces together in this SEC, which still has a pretty clear top, but we were talking yesterday about the Big Ten that didn't feel like it had a middle. The middle of this league in the SEC still, still SEC still incredibly uh, compelling as well. Yeah, uh, it's you know I I I think it, it, the middle of this league can really go. You know, anyway, honestly, it's not it's not really very clear set. We know that really the top three teams in the SEC are set in Alabama, Georgia. Really, you could you could almost say a top four really uh, in in Alabama, Georgia, uh, LSU, and Tennessee. Really, I'd put those in the top four. You could maybe put Tennessee kind of in that middle, but I think that they they did well enough last year, have some continuity this year to kind of earn that at least top four respect uh, in the in the league as of right now. Um, but that middle of the part, and you know, in Ole Miss, Arkansas, Auburn, um, you know, South Carolina, Kentucky, those teams. Uh, it's it's just got a lot of different factors, you know. You you kind of have Auburn towards the lower part of that, but you know some people like I've kind of mentioned, uh, kind of mentioned on Wednesday, you know Auburn. Uh, some people kind of expect Auburn to kind of surprise some people a little bit in some things with with Hugh Freeze in his first year. I know the expectations aren't aren't too crazy, but. You know, some people are are very excited with what Hugh Freeze is bringing to the table. So, um, you know, there's there's a, a lot of expe- a little bit of expectations within the fan base of of what uh, Hugh Freeze is going to be able to do uh, with Georgia. You know, I have a I have a friend that covers UGA, uh, so I kind of asked him. I was like, "What are your thoughts on on Carson Beck now that he's been named the starter?" He said, "He said Beck's a really talented passer, underrated athleticism." Kind of like uh, he, he described him as kind of like Desmond Ritter uh, in the sense that he's a, he's he's straight line fast, but he's not going to make people miss or do any like anything like Lamar Jackson along the lines of that. Uh, he said, but he's a pure pocket passer. He knows the offense in and out. Good touch on the ball. Can throw with different arm angles. Um, and I, he said he uh, likes him better than than Vandergriff, who's the second 
uh, second string quarterback, which he he previously didn't. So, um, you know, we we said that the quarterback position was going to be a thing of question for UGA, and and how were they going to be able to put points on the board? Because obviously that defense was going to be something that they're going to year in and year out be able to build, just because that that's what uh, Kirby Smart has kind of staked his name on, but. Um, with the offense, they'll be able to, you know, the question marks were, will they be able to put up points? Will the will the quarterback be decent? And that's what that's kind of what the expectation is with Carson Beck. That's kind of the big breakdown that I've gotten from somebody that's laid eyes on him multiple times at this point. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if he'll be able to put that production out on the field. With LSU, you have Jaden Daniels. You have somebody who who is returning for their second season uh, in the SEC, who is surprising, who surprised a lot of people, I think, with actually how, how with how talented he actually was. So, um, you know, there's there's a lot, and uh, that that uh, not Kirby Smart, excuse me. Um, uh, wow, name just slipped my mind. Head coach. Uh, for LSU, um, Brian, Kelly. Brian Kelly. I was about to say Chip Kelly. I was like, that's not right. <laughs> uh, Brian Kelly, um, who came into the SEC with force, really, and and has been able to, um, you know, kind of use the transfer portal in, in the sense that a lot of people would like and turn a, full, a program around in one year instantly. And, and they only lost two games. And um, now, you know, they look to, to – again be one of the top teams in the sec and then you know uh, to kind of close out uh what i was talking about and then you have alabama who has the questions at quarterback nick saban seems to say that the quarterback competition is going to go past week one uh yeah they have texas in in week two so they kind of have to figure it out pretty quick uh it is in bryant Denny stadium and like you like you mentioned um brian so the the more challenging games outside of the iron bowl will be played at home but you kind of want to figure out what that quarterback position is going to look like. And then that way you can also create some cohesiveness with the wide receivers because that's another worry that kind of Alabama has is who's going to be that wide receiver one that's going to be able to step up and really prove to be a dominant force like Alabama's had in, in the years past. And, you know, they don't have a quarterback like the likes of Bryce Young who can really make things happen out of nowhere. So it, it'll be interesting to see where Alabama goes. But um, this this is going to be a, a very interesting SEC. Um, those were just some of the teams that I kind of went into a bit of a long soapbox spiel about. But uh, yeah, it, it's going to be a, it's going to be a, a tough conference as it is year in and year out. LSU got some news the other day that Mason Smith, their star defensive tackle, not going to play against Florida State. I One game suspension that. from NIL or pre-NIL activity with Kayshawn Booty, uh, who obviously is no longer at LSU. That's uh, going to keep him out of that Florida State game. I believe he got injured in the Florida State game last year. So that's a bit of a blow to them. It obviously doesn't affect the league standings, but, I mean, LSU does have playoff aspirations. And, and look, I told you about – I don't know which preview it was. We've done so many of them. But I said, like, there's that distinct possibility that if you could come up with – and we do this every year and it never happens – but the three-team scenario for the SEC this year is if Georgia's undefeated, it's if Alabama's undefeated, and if it's LSU's one loss is to Alabama because Florida State figures to be – I think they have a low floor because of the ACC – excuse me, a high floor because of the ACC. I don't think they'll all of a sudden have like a 7-5 year, even if they right. lose to LSU. Uh, I think that 
that would be the, your best scenario. Bama, Georgia, B12 and LSU, B11. Obviously, we don't want to see that. We don't right. see Bama or Georgia 12 and 0. No, no. We just stick with the realities of, of things. And Georgia's, it's going to be hard for Georgia to lose this year. And then Alabama, you know, you usually have a loss on Alabama's schedule. It's very tough to pinpoint which one it is. Last year, it seeped into two losses, which barely kept them out of the playoff. But, you know, Alabama's only got the two perfect seasons, I believe. So, I mean, even with all the titles and all the, the playoffs and all that, there's usually a loss in there for them somewhere. The key is not making it a detrimental loss, which I think LSU would be a detrimental loss because if LSU is able to beat Alabama, then I'm not sure LSU's losing two other conference games. That's one of their road games. Their other road games at Mississippi State, who I think is going to be last in the West, at Ole Miss, that's something, but LSU did smoke them last year. I just wonder if the physicality was too much for Ole Miss. We'll see about it this year. And then at Missouri, who I think LSU would be just fine at. And then you control all of your stuff at a tough home field against Arkansas, Auburn, Florida, Texas A&M. A&M, someone that got them last year, but again, going to Death Valley. This year, I just don't see two losses there all of a sudden. Can you convince me of one? Sure, because upsets happen. It's college football. We do all of our great predictions, and then everything gets blown up, and upsets happen, and where did that come from, and all that. But you, you beat Alabama on the road in Bryant Denny. I just don't see two two more lot or two other losses in the conference slate. So the playoff aspirations are there for for LSU again with Georgia. I'm sorry, there's just not a lot to digest from them. I mean, they no. they don't have the big non conference game. Georgia Tech is still just in, incredibly yeah. average to yeah. below average. Yeah, uh, the the SEC West games. Of course, Auburn this year, it is in Jordan-Hare, but it's the second like a real game. Cal's a half a real game. Maybe it's the second half real game of the year behind A&M for Auburn. I'm just not sure if Auburn's ready in the first half of this year to take on Georgia. And then it's Ole Miss, who, okay, Ole Miss is something, but it is in Athens. And so uh, we'll see. We'll make sure that Ole Miss is having the, the, the same kind of year they were having the previous two years. Right. But, I mean, again, other than that, it's just like, well – South Carolina is going to be borderline top 25. We'll learn something about them before the Georgia game, even because of the North Carolina game. So they either be a top 25 team or be a team that's already lost a non-conference game. Right. Uh, Kentucky just has no ceiling. I'm sorry. You can you can say, oh, but you're belittling these teams. And Kentucky is never going to beat a team that's incredibly talented <laughs> no, no. Or, or way more talented than them when they're actually playing well. And so Kentucky can can beat these teams near them in talent, but they're not going to rise up. They're, they have no chance against Georgia or Alabama. I think Kentucky plays, <laughs> Kentucky's got to play them both this year. They're not beating either one. It's not going to be particularly close, uh, uh, to be quite honest with you. Vandy's a nothing. Florida, who's usually great Georgia-Florida rivalry. Yeah. Florida's, I mean, again, I, you don't have to buy three and nine. I certainly don't. But the fact that even any national people would even Think scare that. up the idea that four to go three and nine proves to you how down they are even if they end up six and six or seven and five that's, that's incredibly down for them uh and so that, that's where it comes down to tennessee so it's like i'm sorry i'm like georgia's georgia's season is essentially a one game season season in the regular year and it's at tennessee i do believe in joe milton i think he will be good i i don't know if he'll be better than hooker that's a high level to obtain but the fact he didn't turn over the ball last year uh, already shows me he was starting to rein in the arm a little bit because guys like that overthrows happen all the time. Getting getting the accuracy down pat, big deal. I think Milton be pretty good, um, but it's just Georgia's not going to have a blow up year. They're either going to be eleven one or twelve and zero. Period. Uh, whereas, like at least if you wanted to have a conversation with me, why Alabama have multiple losses? Sure, I can have a conversation. It's not necessarily my prediction, but they've got a pot of games where. 
Again, Ole Miss, I just don't think Kiffin's going to be saving. I just don't know. I mean, look, Fisher beat him. Was the the saving assistant beat him fine? Then nearly did again last year. So it's not that. It's just Kiffin goes for it so much from fourth down. He's just going to have to have one of those games where he goes six of seven on fourth down. Yeah. And you know, and you're putting the game on four or five plays. And I and I don't know if that works out. But look, clearly A and M's cooked up something the last two years. That's a high talented team. Like it makes sense. Like that's one team that Alabama just can't go out there and move around for the hell of it. Because because A and M's got five star players too. Uh, and so from that standpoint, also obviously Young didn't play in that one last year. That that helped. Yeah. Uh, but Tennessee, okay, look, they proved they can do it once. They got to go back to Bryant Denny, incredibly tough. But if Milton's awesome and they got high-powered offense, it'll be, it'll be a good game. Then LSU. Uh, and then at, at Auburn. And, and look, I'm not saying Auburn's as good as Alabama this year. They won't be. But I don't have to tell everyone this, even though I – bring it up every single time. I feel like I have to defend. Yeah. Since I'm an Auburn fan, I have to defend why Auburn could beat Alabama in Jordan-Hare Stadium. Right. It shouldn't break the news that Auburn always plays Alabama incredibly well in Jordan-Hare Stadium. Um, and so, look, my forever Trump card there is this. Brian Harson took him to overtime. Yeah. <laughs> Brian, Brian Harson's Auburn team could have won that game very could've. easily. Should have won the should've. game. Should have. Yeah. You know, we you get zero points for should have, but should have won the game. And, and and so from that point forward, you just if if Auburn is in, somewhat competent, they have they are going to go to a bowl game. They are going to be any competent at all, knowing that Hugh Freeze did beat Nick Saban twice. That game's going to be pretty close. And in a close game, if you're rattled, if they didn't ever figure out the quarterback situation, which by that point, yeah. I mean if you are what you are at that point, so I, I'm going to assume Alabama doesn't have bad quarterback play all year long, but. If, if your quarterback player still un, makes you uneasy, then you have turnovers in a great road environment, which Auburn certainly is. It's going to be it, – it'll be, end be up being close. Yeah, and, that, and that's close. what people hold on to. So I'm simply saying there is a real pot of games where you can cook up Bama losing two or three times this year. I'm still ultimately going to say they're going to be 11-1. and one. I hate it. Maybe that's the pessimistic <laughs> side of me. But but until Nick Saban has like a, a clear – trend of decline and i'm sorry i don't think losing to georgia in the title game and then having four points of losses last year when they absolutely throttled kansas state in the new year six game i don't think that's clear decline to me i just think pete golding wasn't the best and i think that uh that their offensive line made bryce young run around for his for his life half the time uh other items in the sec so ole miss continues to be fascinating because kiffin that it, that around here is going to grow the longer Kiffin and Freeze <laughs> yeah, continue right. to, to to be at Auburn. Uh, uh, Kiffin and Freeze continue to be at Ole Miss and Auburn, respectively. That's going to grow for the free. I mean, but all the sides of it. There wasn't a much Kiffin versus Auburn Kiffin reason to be upset with Auburn or vice versa until well, we thought Lane Kiffin was going to end up being the next head coach here. And then the freeze aspect's obvious. He went. He was at Ole Miss, right? And freeze doesn't seem like the vengeful type. I mean, he is a very much like oh shucks, like like you know we we I'm like a southern preacher on right, all it. Like right. so, he doesn't the vengeful stuff. Whereas Gus wanted to throttle Arkansas's family every single <laughs> every time. time. You know, time. they're they're different situations. But we we in the media, I will include us, will make a big deal about Auburn Ole Miss because of Kiffin and Freeze for a little while. Agreed. Uh, so Ole Miss is going to be interesting with that and with the fact that I've that's one of the odder quarterback battles because I just I didn't necessarily <laughs> yeah. see it coming. 
and I didn't the the players in the game I all kind of like I I still Dart wasn't awesome but I still think I see it I believe I see in Dart it. you you like him you I'm like a Dart, Dart? Believer. yeah so so what do you think comes to Ole Miss this year do you so you believe he wins the job do you think they're more along the lines of the ten win team in twenty one or more the the team that we saw kind of fall apart at the end of last year um I I I I still think I see them at because their their defensive I mean, they hired Pete Golding as their defensive coordinator, right. so I I don't necessarily love that. Yeah, um, just based off what you know I've seen at Alabama and how he much. he took a team that never finished outside right. the top three to five in defense, and they finished outside like top fifteen. Right, right. You know, so you know, and and you know, maybe that's an upgrade for Ole Miss because I mean their defense was you know not great at, at all last year either. So. You never know. I I, I, tr- I think that they'll I think they'll be fine. You know, I think they could be like a, a nine, maybe maybe ten win team uh, this this season. Uh, I I'm not going to sit here and say that I I believe in Jackson Dart. I'm not going to sit here and say he could for for sure you know win the job because Spencer Sanders is also very talented. You know, like you said, it's one of those weirder quarterback battles, but. Um, I I think I think Dart is who Kiffin has the most confidence in based off familiarity, but I'm I'm sure if he has a couple of whiffs in some games, you know, that Spencer Sanders would have the opportunity to step in and and could sure. take the starting job at some point two three four games into the season and things could be perfectly fine. I think that Alabama game is obviously going to be a big one in Brian Denny, um, and you know. They he they think Ole Miss um I think they put up a, a decent amount of points. It was a relatively close game until about the end last season. I mean, it, it ended up being you close know. to me. It almost felt, and I could be misremembering this game. It was thirty to twenty four, so it was a close game. It was one possession game, but to me, yeah. it felt like it was one of those that Ole Miss never really felt no. like they were going to win. They were, they were just trying the to come back. Time. Yeah. yeah, so I, it was a little different vibe. To me, but then again, I mean, it was clearly a better game in twenty one. Well, because uh, in twenty one, Ole Miss got got beat pretty bad in Tuscaloosa. Ole Miss just was it that was like the you're desperate fourth down yeah. stuff rather than okay, it's fourth and one right. at the twelve. Right. Let's let's just not take the three. Let's go for it. Like I I can understand that in yeah, situations, absolutely. but that was that, I think that was the year he went for it his own twenty five or something. Yeah, he was, he was just, trying way too. Yeah. It, I, I remember. Get that. your popcorn ready. He wanted it. He wanted it really bad. It got him. Yeah, it it did. So, yeah, this this team, the Ole Miss, could absolutely be be interesting. I I just you know I could go either way. It's just one of those things where I think the quarterback position is going to be extremely important. They have an uh, they have a dominant run game, a dominant running back, with Sean Judkins, who's right out of Pike Road. Um, he's gonna you know he's been selected to um all sec teams so there's no surprise there that he'll be somebody um that Ole Miss will lean on a lot uh I think it's just a matter of if that quarterback's going to be able to throw the ball to open up the run game because if all you have is the run game then they're just gonna you know defenses are just gonna load the box and that's 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 it for you so um, if that quarterback, whoever it is, if whether it's Jackson Dart, whether it's Spencer Sanders, if they can they can just throw the ball well um, and get it to those receivers at some point to open up the game just a little bit more, then yeah, I think uh, I think Ole Miss could could definitely be a nine ten win team. Yeah, the thing is, there it's like it's still all in front of them. I think they've got four of their five offensive linemen back, so that's a plus. 
Judkins is awesome. I, I, I don't think I'd take anyone over him in terms of, of running backs in this league. They lost their top two receivers in Malik Heath and Jonathan Mingo, which would have been a bigger concern, right. but they added Zachary Franklin, who was the 1,000-yard receiver from UTSA. So I think they're going to be fine there. I also think wide receiver position, and, and this is easy for – I don't know if this is easy for me to say. It's something coming for me, considering we've talked about wide receivers at Auburn and how they've been right. a subpar for a couple of years and, and needing to improve. Uh, but I just feel like there's so many potentially good wide receivers out there uh, that you can find somebody that if he's going to put the ball out there, you can go get it. Yeah. Uh, and, and so I, I'm not saying that those are like low quality guys. Again, a thousand yard receiver is not not nothing, no, uh, no, even no, at a smaller at school. Uh, and their number three receivers back who had over 400 yards last year. And, again, I think Auburn's leading receiver was Javarius Johnson, about 400 yards. So just Goodness put that perspective gracious. last year, 400, 500 yards. Uh, so, again, it, like it's not nothing there that's coming back. Uh, so I, I think that they will be offensively great. The, the problem is with Ole Miss, and I know I, knew, I know I need to move on to a couple other teams to round out this preview, they're just situationally not sound. Yeah. They they don't score enough in the red zone, and they don't get the like their fourth downs become so much a part of their game. Like you're you're looking at fourth down percentage instead of third down percentage with them half the time. Because if it like again, it's why it's it's wild. I I was down for it again. I, I know I don't need to go on record for twelfth time. I wanted Kiffin. Hugh Freeze is my second option. Fine, whatever. Okay, that doesn't mean I'm not going to start hating Lane Kiffin just because that didn't come to Auburn, but. I I would have been we all would have been so stressed every fourth down <laughs> watching Lane Kiffin yeah, right. at like the four, own forty yard line contemplate his life going for, going and be like you know what I'm going five, for it I'm down six and it, it's so much better to watch that as a neutral observer because I I still appreciate it I think it's I think it's nuts yeah. sometimes but I appreciate he's willing to do it he's like the card says fourth and three at the own forty makes sense well, fine I like the card then let's go for it it's like every kid growing up the video game dream <laughs> like yeah I don't care I don't respect <laughs> To you i'm going for what it. is punting uh yeah i don't i don't recruit punters um so i from afar i appreciate it but as an analyst here you have to admit like they've got to either stop doing it as much or they've got to be better at it because that's one of the things that's killing them for all the offense they generated nearly 500 yards of offense last year 496 to be exact mm-hmm. scored 33 points a game that's not some absurd number that was, I think, I, I think I looked it up earlier. It was like twenty eighth in the country or thirtieth in the country. If you're five hundred yards a game, you need to be top fifteen. Yeah. If you're going to be an efficient offense, maybe top ten in scoring with that many yards. So, uh, especially in a good league like this, like you can move the ball. It's not your concepts. It's like you can't figure out what to do inside the twenty yard line to score the touchdown. Then you go for them fourth to two and don't get it sometimes and and all that. So situational football to me. The day Lane Kiffin figures out how to be good be truly good on fourth down and how to be truly good in the red zone that's when they'll unlock that next tier they need to actually be like play like top 12 playoff good here in the future a couple other teams talk about i don't really love all the east teams kentucky it's the same stuff with them yeah they'll be decent they'll be fine they're not winning anything of big value south carolina you do you do you sip the shane beamer kool-aid i do you do okay that's fine i do sip the shane beamer kool-aid okay so you think what do you think for them this year about Um, an eight win team yeah maybe nine i i i think they could be a 
Yeah, eight-win team. I, I don't see why not, right? I don't see why. They've got the two ACC opponents in the non-con. That's going to be the big thing that determines their overall outlook because they got North Carolina in, in the city of Charlotte to open up. Then they got Clemson at the end. They finally beat the Clemson Bugaboo last year. Big deal for them. And now they get yeah, to host Yeah, that's huge. Them. So, you know, South Carolina's got a real chance in that game. They certainly have a great chance against North Carolina. That's going to be a fun game. Uh, the, the West part of it, they got Mississippi State. Um, and and they got A and M every year. They be, I think they beat A and M last year. They did beat A and M last year, but it is at College Station this year. That might right. just depend yeah, on that and psyche at yeah, that point. And, and so, that. but very doable. Mississippi State and A and M from the West. You avoid Bama and LSU. Yeah, yeah. Just avoiding Bama and LSU saves you a lot of stress, right? Um, obviously, the challenge is, you know, you'll kind of figure out what time kind of team they are against North Carolina. Um, Mississippi State shouldn't be too much of a challenge. Um, like you said, going to Texas A&M, but, you know, playing Florida at home and then Clemson at home, you know, those are probably – Clemson's obviously going to be a big one that, that you're going to want to bring back. Um, but, yeah, I mean – Nine wins is eight, eight, nine wins is very attainable. Very attainable, very attainable. Especially if you get that North Carolina game to start off and, with. I mean, if you're I, if you're Shane Beamer, you're that's good. You're yep. you're on an upwards trajectory. Got to so. take advantage of one last year, Spencer Rattler too. I don't think. Yeah. I don't necessarily think that they thought he would be there another year, but uh, he announced pretty early he'd be back and build the team around him again. All right. So as we do with all the conferences, a couple hot seats and then an SEC title game pick. Uh, I don't think we're worrying about job security with the cup, uh, first couple teams in the league. Uh, what, realistically, let's have the gym, the brief Jimbo discussion. What would mm. need to happen to, for them? Is, what is there? Well, let me, let me process these thoughts. First, <laughs> would they fire Jimbo Fisher this year for bad season? Two, what would it? What would that bad year have to be? I think they would. I think they would fire him, honestly. And what it would take now that I'm not 100% sure they were 5 and 7 last year and people were talking about firing him then. So, I mean, I think anything that's a losing season, I think he's gone, okay. honestly. I think anything, I agree. anything that constitutes a losing season, I think you've brought in you've brought in too much talent to be so subpar. If if I think if I'm looking through the eyes of these Texas A&M boosters that are paying him this extremely large salary, it's like you've brought in these number one classes. You you've gotten you know a bunch of five stars and all this and that, and you know you brought in one of the highest recruiting classes of all time and all this, and a bunch of them already left. One, two, you're not winning football games with the ones that are staying. So why what what are you yeah. bringing to the table? What's at that your point? Why are we again? paying you this much? We yeah. might as well just give you the buyout, get rid of you, yeah. bring in somebody. Our else. money can other it, other coaches can exactly. use our money to recruit players. Hundred percent. Yeah, if you're not going to develop if these players, then what yeah. are you here for? Yeah, his seat uh, needs a heat advisory. I mean, Shoot. it's it's obviously yeah. hot, and I don't know. I don't think something average like seven five or eight and four would would do him in. Yeah. But if there's another year like that last year, you just have to. I, at that to. point. You're just going to keep going through bad years with a big name, yeah. and uh, it's you're going to pay him the money either way. You might as well try to get better if he's, yeah, he's going to well, clearly be a loss. Might as well loss. pay him to not be there. Is the seat getting warmer for for um, for Arkansas head coach Sam Pittman yet, or you still still pretty cool there? I think it's still relatively still, still comfy. Yeah, still comfy. I think he's fine. You know, I I, I don't think the expectations are. 
insanely high, honestly. I mean, they were nine and four in twenty twenty one, seven and six. I mean, they were three and seven in his first year. So it's like, well, he's showing him, you know, relative right. improvement. Yeah. Obviously, there was a bit of a downward trend from twenty twenty one to last season, but. If you can go eight wins, if you're if you're if you go to eight wins, if you're Arkansas, I would be fine with that. I, I mean, I just think that you're not going to be able to compete with the, you know, upper echelon of the SEC unless everything's hitting on all cylinders kind of perfectly that year. Right. That that's really just uh, uh, that's really just the best way for you to do it. You have talent. KJ Jefferson's a really good quarterback. I'm not going to say he's not. Raheem Sanders as well. Uh, great, you know, Rocket Sanders, great running back, but you know that defense is something to be desired. Um, and yeah, eight eight wins, you I, you'd be happy. Seven wins, a repeat of last season. Even you're just you're like, okay, well, next year we need you to do a little something better. Like that's that's really kind of where it is. Then you know, if if they repeat of of seven wins, I think next year his seat's definitely warm. Eight wins, I think they're just kind of like, okay, you didn't have a bad year. You didn't have a great year. We'll see what you do with the next year. You know, kind of not to say that your seat's hot next year. We'll just see. Next season, okay, just, you know, keep right. keep going. So that's where I see kind of Arkansas. I, I've just heard some people say that, you know, watch out a little bit more. And, and I'm not sure I agree with that. I, I just think that he's so beloved. Yeah, I think they and, want the and work. And and. Even last year, although it was disappointing in a way, certainly be six and six and win the bowl game. I, I think that he's has some serious goodwill because just how bad Chad Morris was. So I think he's a year away from actually having to go through any of that real talk. I think the seat's pretty cool. Uh, we both would agree that Drinkwitz needs a, a respectable year at Missouri. Yeah. What? What? Last one, real real quickly. Uh, Napier. What, what? What is? I mean. He's recruiting great now, yeah. but what do they need to do in the field to make sure that it's not I mean, they just scalding need to, hot? They need to win games, right? I mean, uh, you're recruiting well. Now you just need to translate it onto the field, and I get it. You know, you're going from a smaller school in Louisiana to this big program in Florida that has all these expectations, and and you're in the swamp, and it, it's a, it can be overwhelming. I can understand that it could absolutely be overwhelming. So you're going into you've had that under your belt. You're in you're, you're you're now entering your second season. You you are a now kind of hopefully in a better situation um, and more comfortable with where you're at. Um, so now you just it's just up to you to win football games, right? And, and not necessarily you don't have to improve drastically, but if you can get to if you can get to eight wins, you know if you're if you're Florida and you if you can get to eight wins, then. I think oh, that they'd, would, they'd take that. Yeah, I think that would be. To do. Yeah, so I Won't know. Last, the ex, I know yeah. the expectations aren't high, but you know you finished six and seven last year. So six well, and six, six, you lose the bowl game, um, and I mean just like devastatingly lose the bowl game <laughs> yeah. uh, to to Oregon State. So you just kind of just if you can get back to a bowl game and win a bowl game, I think that would be. The, I think that would be good. Yeah, the belief is that they will go backwards this year. So I, be, I even though, and if you did it year after year, uh, that would that would not fly. I think this year, if you told Florida eight wins, they would they would accept that right now. Uh, all right, SEC title prediction, give it to me. 
I've still got Georgia taking it. Yep. I still got Georgia taking it. But I do think uh I'm really iffy on if I want to do a repeat of last year or if I if yeah. I think Alabama. I think I'm going to do a repeat of last year though okay. because I just don't know if that that quarterback situation that Alabama's got going on. If it's that's not gonna, the most comfortable to not, not know eight days before the yeah, season. Yeah, it's, when it's your second not, game's a huge not game. Not at all. Exactly. So I think I'm gonna I'm think I'm gonna have to go with Brian Kelly, LSU, and Jaden Daniels. All you know those guys with with their continuity and what they have to win the West. Georgia's a shoe in for the East, you know, unless something crazy happens. Um, I think Tennessee would be my backup in that instance in the East. Uh, but comfortably, I've got Georgia taking that and and um, beating LSU in, in the title game, I think, as, as a repeat of, of yeah. what happened last year. Yeah, I've got Georgia again. I did make the caveat when we were previewing the teams of Tennessee – in Knoxville was a one-loss Tennessee team or better, that Tennessee would be able to beat them. Yeah. But my official prediction is that Tennessee's going to come in that game. Unfortunately, two losses won't quite have the same steam of winning okay. the East they win. They'll still want it badly, but it won't matter for the division any longer. So I think Georgia goes undefeated. I think they're back in the title game. I will take Bama at home over LSU, therefore Bama slightly. I think it would be a great game. I think it is a location game. I think it's in Death Valley. I'd take LSU again this year. But being in Tuscaloosa, look, even though when we do loud rankings, Bama usually comes in the middle of the SEC somewhere, or at least not inside the top three or four, and I agree with that. The fact is they do win all the time at home, and that is because they have a great team, sure, but they marry that great team with still right. a, a solid crowd. And so they just don't lose many home games. And so a lot of their big games are at home this year. And that happens because last year a lot of them were on the road. So makes sense. Uh, I just think that they're going to have that benefit. And I do think while it might prevent them from ultimately getting the ultimate goal of winning a title, I do think Kevin Steele is going to bring a better defense than what Pete Golding did. I think they're going to return back in the top five of the country. So I think their defense will carry them enough. I think they'll play Georgia. I'll take Georgia again in the title game, though, uh, in the conference title game. I told you I was going to hedge my bets and, and give them everything in the regular year, but I was going to say someone other than would win the playoff this year. We'll right. do official playoff predictions prior to next uh, weekend, but uh, I just think Georgia's set up for it again. I think their defense is just going to be dominant again. I think they got good receiving options, so as long as Carson Beck's not bad, I think they'll be able to do something in the year, yep. and that offensive line will allow them to do something on the ground. So, got Georgia. Their running it there. back position is actually pretty beat up. Now yeah, they do it. have some injuries. They had a good, have their the guy that uh, my buddy projected to be the starter. Actually, um, you know, he tore his tore his ACL. So yeah. they've they've got or yeah they've they've got a lot going on. Sure. <laughs> But the good news for them is last couple of years, they've not had to have a dominant running back to have a good running right, game. True. So still, that, that line can be so good. That's it for our SEC preview. Fun stuff there. That's it for our Power 5 conference preview. It's almost game time with Week 0 tomorrow and eight days away from the full slate next Saturday. One final timeout. Back to wrap up this week of Sports Call right after this. Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. We're done paying the bills. Now back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
Final minute or two of Sports Call today. Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy and Cam Berry with you here. Starting to wrap things up on this show today. Fun preview of the Southeastern Conference there. Uh, Great to see football coming back. Again, week zero coming up tomorrow with seven games starting with Notre Dame and Navy from Dublin, Ireland. So that will be the first game on the docket uh, for tomorrow. Again, want to remind you about our high school offerings here on our Tiger Communication family radio or family of radio stations. Coming up here in just an hour or two, you've got high school football, Smith Station Panthers against Pleasant Grove, 7 o'clock airtime, 7.30 kickoff on FM Talk 93.9, and the Alabama High School Athletic Association scoreboard show shortly following that at 10 o'clock to midnight. Out of time for the show today. Real quickly, a Sports Call Nightly TV Guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. 6 o'clock on ESPN2, American Cornhole League. 6 o'clock on the SEC Network Plus. Auburn takes on Coppin State in college volleyball. J.J. Jackson on the call of that one for SEC Network Plus. 6.30 on USA, the NASCAR Xfinity Series race at Daytona. And then you got some high school football at 7 o'clock on ESPN. Big ESPN, Saraland versus Lipscomb Academy. That's the school Trent Dilfer came from in Tennessee against Saraland. So that one's going to be fun, 7 o'clock on ESPN. And then at 9.15 on Valley Sports Southeast, the Atlanta Braves and San Francisco Giants start the three-game set in San Francisco. That is Sports Call's nightly TV guide. Presented by White Claw, Hart Seltzer. That will do it for the show today. Cam, thank you very much for being here. Hope you have a yes, great sir. weekend, sir. And we'll you see you again as, next week. You as well, Ryan. Enjoy, I hope you have a great weekend. Enjoy the football tomorrow. I know I there's will. not a lot of it that's incredibly interesting, but enjoy the football. It's good to be back. You enjoyed too. Glad yeah. to be back. Absolutely. That will do it for the show today. Again, we want to thank all those that tune in and called in. We appreciate Brooks Childress for joining us in the first hour. And for Cam Berry and Brooks Childress, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Enjoy the college football tomorrow, and we'll talk to you again on Monday. Tiger Iron Gym has...